During what month of pregnancy does a woman begin to look pregnant? September. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. One of these days, I'm going to actually get off my lazy ass and uh, see if I can't turn my Raspberry Pi into a recording station. Uh, I've been looking at actually sound cards that plug into it that have both the input and output. Uh, I was thinking about putting my external USB sound card on it, but then I realized I could probably just plug a USB uh, microphone uh, headset combo into it because that's actually it's got its own sound card. And if you could rig up a battery pack to that thing, then hey, you could like record while you like repaint the house or something get two things done at once actually you can they make battery packs for those things i gotta get one that would really encourage me to actually use this uh, raspberry pi i've had for like two years but Uh uh-huh you've got uh which model do you have i believe it's the two yeah i've got the three I think they're just me. I'm Jimmy G. I get the three. And this is episode 53 of the Pie Factory Podcast. This is episode 53 of the Pie Factory Podcast. Should we probably start recording? Yeah, let's. uh, Aren't you recording? I am. Well, then let's let's talk. Let's talk. Let's do the show. Don't we got a show to do? Yeah, yeah. And um, so this is. um, uh, Ah, damn it. This is the part that I hate trying to think of who I am. What does it say on your birth certificate? Um, St. Mary's Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois. There you go. So, hey, this is St. Mary's Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois, coming to you from Chicago. And this is Jimmy G. Hello, Jimmy G. Hello. How, how, and how are thou? Oh, how, oh, how wait, are you? It's, your host. It's been a fortnight since we've uh, recorded a show. So, um, how have you been in the past fortnight? Okay, I got to ask what the hell is a fortnight? I keep hearing people use the term. I don't even know oh, what it is, and I'm too lazy do to Google. Do not make me send you a LMGTFY link. No, 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 no. I hate when people do that. Hey, you're the I one who turned me on to that I used to know what site. it is, but I just don't use the term, so I kind of forgot. All right. here. This is the educational portion of Pie Factory Podcast. Shouldn't we? Hold on, hold on. We got to get out Professor Pac-Man theme. No. <laughs> got to admit, that, that, that game actually did have some... Some nice sound effects, but that's only because of the hardware. But that's about the only positive thing you can say about the game. I'm still trying to figure out why the hell Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall had that thing forever, but they only had Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp that one time I was there. Still trying Maybe to the that mafia out. had an interest in Professor Pac-Man? I don't know. Yeah, the mafia was trying to educate people. That, that must be what it is. But this is the educational portion of Pie Factory Podcast. A fortnight pronounced fortnight means a two-week period in which you count the current day in those two weeks henceforth a fortnight is actually 15 days and not 14 days Uh uh-huh see i learned something new learn something new every day and when somebody tells me i'm more likely to actually forget it yeah there we go so have you been the past fortnight um medium well medium rare i've been pittsburgh style myself ah See, I actually have one of those little plastic pokers in me, and it says uh, medium rare. Uh, right now, actually, it's uh, kind of in my chest. It kind of hurts a little bit. Mm. Don't ask. Hey, that was a fun evening. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh, that was last time. <laughs> Sorry about that. We should still drop that in uh, from time to we time because really that's a great sound. We really should. I'd buy that for a dollar. We'll have to. We'll have to switch off. Watch out for snakes, and I'd buy that for a dollar. Every now and then. Yeah, but, yeah we'll, we'll have to see about but that. But we're nothing if not original. Of course. Yeah, we're not original. So we're very nothing. So, 
Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, so have, have you been playing any games in the past, uh, especially of the video type in the past uh, couple of weeks? Well, first of all, I had to totally re-image my Raspberry Pi because somehow I screwed up my configuration, so I had to totally re-image it and put all my MAME games back on there, and now i got to put all my 7800 and 2600 stuff back on there and ColecoVision and all that. And uh, so that's been a bit of a pain, but um, I've only been pretty much playing the games that we're talking about tonight. Um, mm. Unless you count the Sudoku game I've been playing on my phone all the time. I am so freaking addicted to that, but that's... You know what I, I got turned on to? There's a, another like hmm. Japanese number game called Kakuro. I have heard of that one. It's like Sudoku, except where in Sudoku you got to get the numbers all in a column or in a row, or in a, a, a three-by-three square, each number one time, and they can't repeat in all three of those. Whereas, in the, if, if I'm not mistaken, in the Kakuro, you still have like a shape that you have to get them in, but they are not symmetrical. Right. And I've not attempted any of those, to be honest with you. I have a hard enough time with uh, Sudoku. <laughs> I do have some interest, some things about tonight's games that Ooh. I want to bring up uh, especially about one of them and how i actually got it to work oh. uh, people follow me on facebook may already know my adventures and that but uh yeah so mm-hmm. that's pretty much that although i have to say though i did play two other variations of one of the games that we are talking about tonight oh. actually thinking about it i've played different variations of all the games we're talking about tonight well we're talking about two games so that's still technically correct although it's tech, it's correct, but not necessarily accurate. But oh well. Oh well. But yeah. So I've been playing different variations of the games we're talking about tonight. Well, I've played, of course, the games that we talked about tonight. In fact, I went to Galloping Ghost to uh, play the games that we're talking about tonight, and I'll talk about that later on in um, the episode. I suppose I played a lot of Crazy Bricks on the Atari seventy eight hundred, which is a homebrew. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I just got this sudden feeling that I should play that. It's a really good game. Um, I really hope it's a so- breakout type game, it, right? It is. It's uh, it, it's a breakout type game with a couple of little twists here and there. And um, gee, I really hope there's a podcast that talks about it soon. Like hopefully yeah. this coming weekend, that would be really awesome. And yeah, that would be nice. Um, let's see. I played. Zevius on the 7800 Advanced. I think that that was, I don't remember if that was for the Atari.io scoring mm-hmm. high score thingy or the Atari Age high score thingy. I don't remember what. I love 7800 Zevius. It's pretty, I actually got further on the advanced setting than I ever got on any other setting. Really? Including the arcade game. So I, I don't Amazing know. Amazing how that is. Yeah. It, it's craziness. And um, let's see, I played some Junior Pac-Man Plus on the 7800. Oh, by the way, in uh, Xevious, did you find the cathedrals? I did not find the cathedrals, no. <laughs> I still don't know uh, how you're supposed to do that. but oh, The citadels are fairly easy to find. They never move. The flags, on the other hand, different story altogether. They're in, a, they're in the same general area, but they move back and forth, and your uh, crosshairs will not uh, bleep or blink red uh, when you've, you're hovering over one of them. Well, you know what? I should just go back and listen to episode nine so I can you learn should. how to expose these citadels. Yes. But, uh, I also or, And actually read the show notes because I believe we have a link to actually where they are on there. Uh-huh. I think. We might not. There's a, we I know have, we have a link to the map. Yeah, we have a link to the map. Yeah, absolutely. Wait a minute. Are you actually looking at the website? I just remember a few things. Oh, okay. 
uh, oh, also for the episode nine show notes, I noticed that we also have a picture of a 17 mile an hour speed limit sign I found not far from underground retrocade. <laughs> Is that sign still there? I don't, I don't even remember where I found it, so I don't even know how <laughs> to go back and check, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it's it's like in a speed limit signs like that are usually with some sort of a business, and you're like, what are they going to do? Give you a ticket? It was some kind of subdivision or something. Or, oh, was it? Yeah, because I have seen like speed limit signs in McDonald's driveways in the past, like speed limit ten miles an hour. I'm like, what the hell are you going to do? Give me a ticket? Charge me ten percent more for eating there? I don't know. But I posted a picture of that on Facebook, and literally like three days later, another fr- a friend of mine posted a picture of a. He didn't even see this picture, but he posted a picture of a speed limit sign that actually had a fraction in it. Really? Yeah. A fraction? Yeah, it was like 15 and a half miles I bet that's just so that you hour. look at the sign again. You're like, wait, know. did that have a fraction? And then you see the speed limit. I don't know. That could might, be. That could be, a, could be a little mental trick. Could be, but um, also for the Atari Age High Score Club, the 7800 High Score Club, I played Junior Pac-Man Plus. Ah, which I didn't know existed until recently, actually. Little Easter egg in Junior Pac-Man I didn't know about until recently. Oh, and you know what? Um, I will skip ahead and say that I did not get a chance to play pole position to prepare for tonight. So to make up for it, on my way home tonight, I played Mario Kart 64 on my GPDXD. Partly inspired by Tim and Andy, of course. Well, you know, the games are pretty much the same thing so and it was it was a lot of fun too i really like it i, I like i like the uh, mario kart games we've got one and i play it with my kids from time to time when my wii u uh, gamepad works and um yeah, you know what they are fun they're, they're fun games for what they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're good which reminds me i have to get a new gamepad for the wii u i tried to look for one at uh, midwest gaming classic but i couldn't see one anywhere there Oh, there is some news. Um, I'm assuming, oh, dude, um, before I say what I'm going to say, I happened to um, see Hyde St. Pierre, our engineer post-production guy. I saw him yesterday, actually. Somehow he can track me down on the red line really easily. The guy is kind of freaky that way. I don't know how he does it, but I was taking the red line to work, the CTA red line, of course, and he told me that he is only going to have limited availability to do the next episode. So he might only be able to do a little bit of a post-production job. Um, do you want me to just take, if he can't, do you want me to just take over and do it? Might as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll see what I could do. He probably understands. I, I hope yeah, he does. And he told me that we can count it as a full episode, but he doesn't expect us to pay for the full episode, but you know, Oh, well, how very nice so that, of him. That, that was, that was nice of him. Um, but yeah. he, he's a strange character though. I mean, cause I, we were talking about, it, I said, okay, so what do you do? How do you do this? How do you do that? You know, cause I want to make it as clean as, as you do it. And I said, do you use audacity? And he just gave me this look if, oh man, if looks could kill, <laughs> he said, what am I a teacher? I can afford better than audacity. <laughs> it's like, geez. <laughs> I said, so what you, yeah. do you just take it to work and use pro tools and he said, and I quote, and just like this, he says, Pro Tools is gop. Like, the hell? <laughs> and, here I, and here I am using uh, Windows Sound Recorder. <laughs> hey, whatever it Must be works. nice to make the money that he does. But 
but yeah, he says Pro Tools is gop, and turns out I think he uses Logic Pro, which is in which is like a Garage Band for grownups apparently, and um, I think he does it just to be different, you know, kind of like how he, how the how uh, Mumford and Sons fans are, you know. I don't know. It's just, it. It was just a. He, he's a nice guy, but he's a really weird character. He really is. But having well, s- that's why we hang out with him. Yeah. So well, having said theory. that, though, if it does turn out that I have to end up editing this episode, um, I might not have it done in time for this news that I'm going to say. But I'm really, really going to try. Okay. But um, this is for anybody who will happen to be in the Chicago area in the near future. Oh, my TV just turned off. That's okay. But Underground Retrocade has a May the 4th tournament coming up. It starts on May the 4th, which is uh, this Thursday that we're talking right now, which um, might be a little bit too late for some of you. And it lasts until May 7th. So head on over to Underground Retrocade. It's got a $20 entry fee. And that covers all four days. So four days, $20 as part of the May the 4th tournament. It involves playing, well, let's see. It says, uh, theme games have been selected for this year's tournament. Williams, Star Wars, Episode One: Pinball 2000, Atari's Asteroids, Rock Ola's Nibbler. WTF is Nibbler. And Parker Brothers' Star Wars, Death Star Battle for the Atari 2600. That so, game gets and, a lot of people don't like that game. I like I've that never game. Played I think that's it. I've, fairly I gotta fun. Play that. I've never played it. I like that. Uh, I, I'm I'm not a fan of the uh, the Star Wars arcade game on the classic home consoles. I think the other Star Wars games are actually better, with the possible exception of Jedi Arena, which I've not really spent too much time with because I don't own it. And it is a paddle game, by the way. I like the Parker Brothers Empire Strikes Back game. I I really like that. That's a, a lot. that's a fine uh, defender uh, rip off type game in a way. Um, so yeah, but, the May the Fourth tournament's yeah. going to have a pro track and an Amtrak. Um, can you take oh, it's Amtrak? Have trains? There? I don't think you can take Amtrak there. I think you have to take Metro to get there, and it's a little bit of a walk from there. But anyway, twenty dollars is the entry fee for all four days of the tournament. You only pay that twenty dollars once, and that also includes access to the whole arcade. So, ooh, that's a that's a nice what a bargain. Deal. That's a that's a bargain. Yeah, the only thing is, I don't think I'm going to be able to get there in time for this tournament. I don't think I'm going to be able to get there until next weekend though. But oh, I, only, I I was only there for one May the Fourth tournament, and I got my butt whooped big time. I came in second to last. <laughs> and the ironic thing is, the guy who came in last was I think Galloping Ghosts Gamer of the Year that year. Not Pete Hahn. It wouldn't have been Pete Hahn. No, I don't remember who it was. Okay, but it wasn't. It wasn't hmm. Pete Hahn. I've I've never seen him at. Uh, underground retro kid i've only seen him at the ghost and i saw him at level 257 the one time i was there i want to think i've seen him at retrocade once he might, you know what he might have been there uh, i think for man versus snake probably yeah i think he, I think he, may have been he there was for there that. for that yeah everybody was there for that oh heck yeah that was like a big thing oh yeah 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 speaking of big things um <laughs> is there any other news <laughs> yeah, we i don't should... mean to brag yeah, don't need, don't mean to brag, but oh, I really need I'm to sorry, ask we're if not talking uh, there's, about my ego. Yep, yep. Uh, but uh, we got to talk about some other news. Is there any other news we should talk about? Nothing that I have. Huh? How about Addenda and Arata? I don't know about Addenda and Arata, but we got some messages on Atari Age. Oh, do tell. 
does. Uh, first of all, from RJ. Um, oh, I remember this one. Yes. Um, IIRR is, if I remember right, and of course Ding. IIRC is Instant Internet Relay Jet. No, I mean, uh, if I recall correctly. And he said, Inky, glad you're enjoying this Super Action Controller. Uh, made a deal with him for a Super Coleco Super Action Controller. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that tonight. Dauber, I knew your Vegas That's story. Me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what was your name today? My name is uh, St. Mary's Hospital, Kankakee, St. Mary's Illinois. Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois. Uh, St. Mary's Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois. I knew your Vegas story was about to go sour when you said the Pinball Hall of Fame was on Fremont. It's on Tropicana. I know that it's on Tropicana. I knew that's how I knew it was that my I was going to be disappointed because it wasn't on Fremont. Thing is, I did not check the address since it was on Fremont, so I didn't know that. So I was like, wait a minute, it's all the way on Tropicana. Oh, actually, he does have a little bit of addenda. Um, Peter Weller also starred in Cat Chaser. He was in RoboCop 2. He was RoboCop 2 as well, but bailed for Part 3. Robert John Burke took over. Uh, The original RoboCop wasn't 90s. It was 1987. So (laughs) I don't know where the hell I got that from. Uh, It was my favorite movie until Die Hard came out a summer later. No RoboCop? No Running Man? Wow, Dauber's missed some good movies. you got to see, at the very least, see The Running Man. That's a great film. I, don't, I, I just don't like action it's, it's movies. A B, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a B, sort of a, 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 a B action movie. And I, like I said, for no other reason, at the very least, go on YouTube and see if you can't find uh, Richard Dawson's scenes from that movie. They're right. so worth it. Anyway, uh, now Cinecaster uh, has, way, has to weigh in here. I played RoboCop at the local corner store when it was current, and I remember thinking even then that the game just didn't do much for me, but I dropped my allowance into it anyway. In retrospect, I can see that in the late 80s. So long as new arcade games had flashy graphics and sound, we'd be drawn to them like mosquitoes to a bug zapper, no matter how bad they were. A few years ago, some other podcast was talking about RoboCop, No Quarter maybe, which prompted me to play through the game from start to finish on my main cabinet just to see what 25 plus years of aging has done to the game. Unsurprisingly, the game has aged about as gracefully as Keith Richards. Uh, but Keith Richards is still alive, so yeah. I have to point that out. Um, I think it's absolutely dreadful. It feels kind of kind of like an even worse incarnation of bad dudes, insofar as such an atrocity is even possible to realize. I really dig Smash TV, though. I'd like it even more if the fast movement power-up were active all the time, but in my estimation, Smash TV is somewhat of a diamond in the rough title for an era of arcades when gameplay tended to fall by the wayside in favor of audiovisual bombast. You know, I have to agree with that last statement right there. It's during that era, that was kind of a nice thing to see. It was, well, you can't say Smash TV didn't uh, join in with the audiovisual bomb. Well, sure, no. but it, I mean, it, it had it, playability it to, to it. it. It had playability, and I, I agree with him about the fast movement power-up. That would have been nice if that would have uh, would have uh, stuck around. Uh, not necessarily active all the time, but stuck around longer than it did. Although, I wonder if that's something that the uh, dip switch or the uh, service mode settings changes uh when you change the difficulty i don't know i have i've not you'll you'll have to check that out uh well no i don't have to i'm Ah. not going to actually but uh i'm wondering if that might be the case actually that's a good question uh feedback bait Uh so there we are the mention of keith richards there was something i don't remember if i was reading it or if i heard it you know i heard about this on the radio that there was some guy who uh was working with keith richards once who interviewed keith richards and he and Keith Richards told him, he's like, I am convinced I'm going to die of lung cancer someday because I cannot do a photo shoot without the photographer insisting that I have a cigarette in the in the pictures. <laughs> no, seriously, he, he's going to be around forever. 
He's going to outlive Betty he's, White. He's eternal. Yeah. But then again, I always thought Charles Schultz was eternal. So, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, you're German, so you should know. Uh, a, a German Z is pronounced T-S, so it's Schultz. It is Schultz. I When I was a kid, I pronounced it Schultz. Then, but then somebody pointed out to me that there was no T in the name. And I'm like, so should it be pronounced Schultz then? So I started pronouncing it Schultz. So I don't know. So I'll just... I'll just pronounce it based on whatever, you know, whatever I happen to fancy at the time. Well, ponder it over a pizza. We will ponder it over a pizza? We uh, just want to ask you some questions? But I think that's everything we heard um, regarding episode number 52. But this is episode number 53, ain't it? It ain't. Or it oh. ain't. It ain't. Wait, wait, is it ain't? I, I think it is. Oh, and that's uh, <clears throat> more episodes. Than Super Podcast Brothers. Oh. Actually, no. I think they got more if you count the uh, if you count their bonus episodes. But oh, they that's don't count true. Them, so I won't either. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so so technically, this is our fifty fourth episode because of Te- episode yeah, zero. Yeah, technically correct because we have the ep- obligatory episode zero too. And so. episode fifteen came out in two separate parts over the same amount of time uh, so that's true so we've so, got uh 55 we have 55 releases oh but if you count releases there's all we we did do one or two special announcements that were released well, on that's the, pod, true. On we the did. podcast uh channel on the so, feed yeah so, so uh, yeah yeah we're, so we're, we're up there yeah we might, we're, we're we might be there. closer to 60 yeah yeah so the only uh, thing the only he, thing is he, like he. if he didn't already bill pepper is about to outrun us because he puts out yeah, he puts one out every week, week. Yeah. yeah, and where does he get the time? Hey, by the way, have know. you heard that he wants to do a like a, a riff tracks thing on the movie Pixels? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, you know, I keep wanting to message him. If you're listening, Bill, um, I'm in. Uh, I'll send you a message privately. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm in. Let's chat, Bill. I have your people talk to my people. We'll do lunch. Yeah, we'll pencil you in for lunch. And just get out my Rolodex and put your name in there and your phone yeah, number. And I'll have my uh, girl Friday take notes over the dictaphone, and uh, we'll get out. We'll get in touch. Hey, 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 language. Oh, wait a minute. So, I was speaking English. Do you have a problem with that? Well, actually, don't make yeah, me speak I do. French because, frankly, I don't well, remember do, 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 do. I don't know. That was a Steve Martin bit. Yes. <laughs> I loved Steve Martin's bit about language. Anyway, so was well, that everything? I think that's everything mm-hmm. except the games. We should talk about the games that we're going to talk about, shouldn't we? Yeah, probably should. So, um, you know what? As uh, tonight's moderator... I am going to offer a courtesy to you to choose which game we discuss first. Let's actually, let's talk about, uh, let's do Gauntlet first. Because I want to hear what you have to say. I am genuinely interested. Okay. You sound as if, like, I, I'm taking it from... Uh, I'm usually, I'm usually I'm not interested, but this time I actually am. And why are you, why am you interested? Yeah, I am interested. Oh, well, Okay. Well, let's talk about Gauntlet, though, which was released by Atari in the arcades in 1985 in and around October. And it was designed by Ed Logg and Robert Zeigler. I'm guessing it's pronounced Z, so it's pronounced uh, T-S. So Zeigler in E-I is pronounced like I. His name is Robert Zeigler? Or maybe it's Ziegler. I don't know. Uh, uh, Robert, if you're listening, feel free to correct us. Thank you. Is it Zigfield or Zigfield's Follies? I don't know. But the same that way. was not the inspiration, though. You know what was the inspiration? 
What was the inspiration? It was a game called Dandy on the Atari oh. 800. I thought Chicago was the inspiration. For what? Yeah, you're missing the joke. No, I'm not. You're no, I'm not because it's the listener who is the inspiration. Ah, We're not saying we're the right. inspiration. Unfortunately, I didn't really have a heck of a lot of time to look into Dandy, but something I'm noticing kind of some kind of a pun going on there because the other thing that, uh, what the hell's the name of this guy? Gauntlet was based on was Dungeons and Dragons, AKA DND or DND, Dandy, Dandy. Hmm. You see what they did there? I never even thought about that. I was that. not able to confirm that, though, so I don't know. But that's my guess. But Ed Log said that it was Dandy that was the inspiration during a speech he made at the 2012 Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. You can actually get his presentation that he used. I think it was a PowerPoint presentation in PDF format. I will put that in the show notes. And you can also watch his speech. Wait, 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 wait. Are you going to put a link to it in the show notes? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'll just put the actual PDF in the show notes. Well, then again, it probably wouldn't render properly. So, yeah, I'll probably just link it. And I do believe you can actually watch the speech online, too. I did not get a chance to do that yet because, well, I am a busy little boy. But um, about that Dungeons and Dragons thing, Ed Log says that his son was nagging him for a year to do a Dungeons and Dragons game because he's a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. But having mentioned Dandy on the Atari 800, John Palovich, who designed Dandy in 1983, he threatened to sue Ed Log after Gauntlet came out on the NES in 1987. And Ed Log was credited as creator on that version of the game. But there happened to be a settlement before a lawsuit was actually filed. And the story goes that Tengen, a.k.a. Atari Games, gave John Palovich his own gauntlet machine. And from that point on, Ed Log's name was taken out of the created by credits on all versions that came out after that. That was an interesting. So many games cause lawsuits. It's just so, really something. How many games have we talked about? It is. It is actually uh, or almost interesting. Lawsuits. But um, so came out in October 1985. But the first design actually happened sometime near or on September 30th, 1983. And during the development of Gauntlet between 83 and 85. It was being called Dungeon as a working title, but they found out in April 1985 that the name Dungeon was no longer available. I think somebody trademarked it during that time. Kind so of a generic had, name for a game, so. I know, it really is. I, I'm surprised that you could get away with trademarking <laughs> and that. And actually thinking about it, uh, TSR uh, Games, TSR Hobbies, did actually have a board game called a Dungeon. It was kind of, it was a... Uh, it was based on Dungeons and Dragons, but it was uh, it was more of a board game for younger players. So maybe I wonder if that had something to do. That with That might have been it. I don't know. So I remember we I actually owned that game, and I was a, I remember that being a fun game actually. Hmm. See, I was never into the dungeony type of games, but uh, I'll I'll get into that a little bit later though. Right now, let's talk about the gameplay for those of you who've never played Gauntlet and uh, are interested to know how to play Gauntlet. What you're doing is you're walking around a dungeon. It's kind of, in a way, a little bit maze-y, 
and the screen scrolls in four directions, kind of like Rally X, I guess. And you are a character, obviously. Basically, you have four protagonists to choose from. There's Thor the Warrior, Thyra the Valkyrie, Merlin the Wizard, and Questor the Elf. And how do you choose which character you're going to be? Well, it quite simply depends on which coin or token you put in the coins. It depends on which coin or token slot you put your coin or token. There are four separate slots, one for each player, and there are four separate sets of controllers on the arcade panel, one for each player. Each one is assigned to a specific player. So, um, having said that, um, your job is to go through the dungeon and basically get to the exits in all the rooms that you're in, and you will encounter some enemies. And the enemies, for the most part, come from generators that, uh, well, spawn them. Uh, the exceptions are there are two enemies that don't have generators, and that's Death and the Thief, and I'll talk about those guys later. And generators come in three levels. There's, there are level one generators, level two generators, and level three generators. And those levels determine the level of the enemies that they actually spawn. The enemies are also either levels one, two, or three. And uh, as for the generators, you can tell, you, you can kind of get an idea of what level generator they are by how elaborate they look. Like, for example, uh, one of the enemies is uh, you have ghosts and they're dangerous enemies. If they run into you, they can cause either 10, 20 or 30 points of damage, depending on whether they are level one, two or three respectively. And ghosts are spawned by generators that look like bones. The bone generators kind of look like piles of dismantled skeletons. And uh, you can tell which the level one generators look just like, basically one skeleton and the level three generators look like a whole huge pile of random bones. You can kind of tell what level they are. The bones that generate the ghosts can actually be destroyed by projectiles from the demons and the lobbers. And I will talk about the demons and lobbers in just a moment. The other types of generators, they are what they call blocks. They look kind of like pyramids and they generate the other enemies. They look to me more like a, uh, a top down view of like a mausoleum that's with there, a little decoration on top. And the more times you, you shoot at one of those things, the decoration on top gets destroyed until the decoration's gone. And then the generator's uh, done with just one more, one more shot. I believe that the, 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 uh, the way they look is uh, they got like, it's the, the block with, uh, with that little decoration on top. The decoration has red eyes. The first time you hit it, the red eyes disappear. The second time you hit it, the decoration disappears. And the third time you hit it, the whole thing disappears. Assuming it's a level three. And assuming it's a level and three. Assuming right. how many hit points your character generates, of course. And I mentioned that the bones generators, those things can be destroyed by demons and lobbers. The blocks cannot, but they can be weakened by demons and lobbers. Huh. Now, going to the actual enemies, I already talked about the ghosts. There are also grunts, and uh, grunts are characters that kind of look like uh, they're wearing black masks or something. I don't know how. They look like barbarians, okay. like the I, typical fantasy version of what a barbarian looks and like. And I don't know what that would look like myself, so hey, take it from Jimmy G. Um, Actually, no, it looks like kind of a short squat Frankenstein now that I think about it. 
I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, they, they can... uh, a short, squat Frankenstein with gray skin, which, if I'm not mistaken, is what the original Frankenstein was supposed to look like anyway. Well, at least in the black and white versions, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can be kind of hard to shoot at and aim at, so it's easier to just attack those characters by hand. How do you attack people by... How do you attack enemies by hand simply by kind of... Kamikaze Just walking into, into them, yeah. Which you cannot do that with ghosts, no, by the way. No, you have to shoot the ghosts. No, you have to shoot the ghosts. Ghosts will just, there's no defense against ghosts other than shooting them. Yeah. And the grunts can attack you with clubs, and they can cause five, eight, or ten points of damage, depending on whether they're level one, two, or three. There are demons. I freaking hate the demons. Uh, they are, it's easy to tell which ones the demons are. They're red characters, and they look kind of demony demonic yeah and they will shoot fireballs at you causing 10 points of damage goodness gracious that is a big fat lie they will shoot fireballs at you non-stop before you even freaking see them you're lucky if you only get 10 points of damage oh yeah but anyway um their fireballs can destroy food and potions so they will shoot fireballs at you so just beware of that if you dodge their fireballs and there's a food fireball, or a potion fireball. in the path, it's going to be gone. Uh, the demons can bite you, and as with the grunts, they will cause either bite. five, eight, or ten points of damage, depending on the level. Mm-hmm. There are sorcerers. I freaking hate the sorcerers. Uh, oh. Those are easy to spot. They're like the, they, they look kind of like uh, Dumbledore, really, in purple robes. I hate the sorcerers. They What they do is they kind of disappear and reappear. They kind of flicker on and off. And when they're invisible, your shots go right through them. But the cool thing is that means you have easier access to their generators. And by the that way, I should true. say this right now. Go for the generators oh, ASAP. Knock those out as, as soon as you see one, knock it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, the sorcerers can attack you by hand, and they will cause you five, eight, or ten points of damage. And then you have lobbers. I freaking hate the lobbers. And they are called lobbers because they will lob you blind of all of your money. Oh, I thought they were lobbying Congress. Oh, you know what? I don't know. Actually, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me let me look it up for a sec. Oh, you know what? We're both wrong. Sorry. They are called lobbers because they lob rocks at you. They will throw ah. rocks at you. And they can actually throw rocks over the walls. And regardless of whether they're level one, two, or three, they will cause three points of damage per hit. They can destroy food and potions as well, and they can even destroy other enemies. Now, something that I had read is that lobbers can be thrown over the walls, and they themselves can be used as projectiles in your favor if you can like lure them into doing that. I was I... not able to figure that out. I was going to say, I have never seen that. And yeah. There's one other one other thing about lobbers. Uh, unlike all of the other enemies, uh, they run away from you. Are you sure about that? I am 100% positive. They sure they as hell run weren't running away from, away from me. I'll tell you what, boy, howdy. Yeah, they will run away from you. Because uh, the only thing, because, well, I, I don't know why, but yeah, they do run away from you. If, if you're in, I mean, if there's a wall between you, I mean, they won't. But if you're in the same corridor, they will run away from you. I'm certain of that. Oh, well, but, uh, well, hey, at least they don't have generators. So once they're gone, they're gone. And uh, there's the thief. I don't mind the thief so much. I really don't. But what happens is there's going to be a thief that shows up sometime a few levels into the game. What could happen is if the thief gets to you, the thief will steal something from you. 
and um, the thief has priorities and the thief's priority is basically any upgraded potions you have. And um, if the thief steals from you and then you shoot the thief, then whatever item he has stolen from you will be left behind and you can recover it. If he steals from you and gets away, the item he steals will be in the next room you enter. However, if the item in that case that he stole was an upgraded potion, then when you recover the potion, the potion is downgraded to a regular old non-upgraded portion. And if you shoot the thief, he leaves behind a treasure bag that'll get you 500 points if you pick it up. I find the easiest way to deal with the thief is, first of all, you got to know where the uh, where you came into the level from because that's where he starts. Ah. And just getting yourself into a corridor that's just one tile wide and just keep shooting in that direction. The closer you are to like a corner, the more shots you can get off, which means the easier it is to get the, uh, to take care of the thief. The thing is, the thief always gets me by surprise. I always totally forget that the thief even exists until he's like literally like a few pixels away from me. It's like, oh, my God, it's a thief. I always listen for that sound effect that happens when he enters the maze. That, when I hear that, then I, then I start uh, keeping an eagle eye out for him. And that's the problem right there, because when I'm on my commute and I play these games, I am not listening to the sounds. I'm listening to a podcast or ah. something. I went to Galloping Ghost to play Gauntlet. I couldn't freaking hear anything because it's so loud in there. <laughs> so that didn't really help me there either. So, hey, I don't know. The thief just always surprises me. But the thing is, he doesn't really bother me that much. I'm usually able to hurry up and deal with him pretty quickly. I usually don't have any upgraded potions at that point anyway. Hell, yeah, I probably right. don't have any potions yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, me too. Which is unfortunate because the other enemy that I want to talk about is one that you absolutely need a potion for if you want to defeat the, that enemy, and that is death. Death is dressed in black like you would expect, but it doesn't look like oh, this. Oh, he's death is a goth? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because anybody who wears black is obviously a goth. There's no course, other yeah. possibility. No, absolutely. But um, death does not look like your standard death Grim Reaper type of character. So uh, anyway, um, death's job is to drain health points from you. And he can drain up to 200 points from you. And if death does drain 200 points, he disappears. And this is weird. You cannot actually destroy death by shooting at death, but every time you shoot death, you get a hit point. But the thing is, throughout the game, your hit points naturally deplete at a regular rate. So just standing there and shooting at death, it's not really an economical use of your time because pretty much for every, for every hit point you gain, you lose like nine Okay, now are you sure on the hit point thing? I've never noticed that, but I do know that if you shoot death, you actually gain uh, regular points for your score. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Huh? I I that okay. I will definitely have to look into that. <laughs> I will you definitely have to look on, into that. I'm gonna just keep saying stuff that's gonna make you say, "Are you sure about that?" Just so I can get you. To, yeah. To say, but you're that's definitely one. But I do know if you shoot death, you do get a uh, a point for each time you shoot him. Hmm. Well, there's also I've, I've, something else. I have noticed that. There's also something else that happens when you shoot death. Oh? When you destroy death, you need to activate a potion. There are potions scattered throughout the dungeon, and they're they, they just look like bottles. A blue bottle. And when you are ready to use it, the potion will affect every character that is on the screen. 
and uh, you there is a button on the control panel specifically for magic, and you hit the magic button to activate the potion. And you need a potion to destroy death. And if you do destroy death, and by the way, there could be several, there could be dozens of death characters on the screen at the same time, by the way. But uh, if you destroy death with the potion, you get a thousand points. How, having said that, shoot, if you shoot death at all, that's going to change the bonus value of killing death. Like, let's say you hmm. shoot death once and then you destroy death with a potion, you actually get 2,000 points. If you shoot death twice and then destroy him, you get 1,000 points. Shoot him three times and destroy him, you get 4,000. Shoot him four times and destroy him, you get 2,000. Shoot him five times and destroy him, you get 6,000. Shoot him six times and destroy him, and you get 8,000 points. And by the way, that is 8,000 points per death character. Okay, I got to ask this. So you're saying shoot him, shoot him once, and then you destroy him, you get 2,000 points. If you shoot yeah. him twice, the bonus goes down? Yeah, it goes down, then it goes back huh. up. It's it's kind it, it, I wonder if that's a, 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 like a, a bug, because you would think that those two would be reversed, because it's 1,000, double that, that's 2,000, then double that, that's... But then again, four four times, that's 2,000, so that maybe yeah, it is on purpose it's, that way. It's got to be on purpose, because the pattern is 2,000 points, 1,000 points, 4,000 4, points, then back 2, down 6,000, 8,000, and then back. Yeah, because okay. yeah, it's basically every six, every seventh time you shoot death, the cycle sh- starts over. But, okay, and and again, this is based. This is per death character on the screen. So if you have fifty death characters on the screen and you shoot a death character six times and then activate the potion, you're going to get yourself four hundred thousand points from that one hit of the magic button. So yeah. And uh, death has no generators. I already talked about that before. So. so destroying death, is that video game physics or or is that video game? This whole game is video game physics. Just think of, how do you death, shoot? That's not physics. That's uh, video game. And think about how you can shoot ghosts and they're, and they're gone. Of course, you know, if we've learned anything from the Final Destination movies, that is, you cannot hide from death and you cannot kill death. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, this whole game is just one big episode of video game physics. <laughs> but yeah, since hey, I talked about the potions, I might as well talk about the other things in the maze and the dungeon. There are treasure chests, and if you pick up a treasure chest, you get a hundred points. Treasure, one hundred points. And um, there are various food items scattered throughout the dungeon and you will want to eat those to give yourself some more hit points remember don't shoot food if you shoot jugs of food you basically destroy your food but for the most part if it's like a little meal set out on a plate it looks like there's like a little uh, ham hock with like peas and stuff that you can't destroy if it's a prepared meal yes a prepared meal that you can't destroy but you can destroy the the uh the jug that has the uh the xxx on it like uh all the people in the South drink from. They they all drink from that in the South, Yeah, don't so they? I guess moonshine is actually food, and it'll give you some uh, yeah. hit points, so that's pretty good to know. There are some poisons lying around. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. With, are, do those have, like, uh, skull and crossbones on it or something? Yes, they do, okay. and if you shoot it, it slows everything down in the maze. If you eat yeah. it... You lose point. You lose hit points. Yeah, or health points. Actually, they're they're labeled yeah. health. Oh, and speaking on the of right shooting, shooting the uh, the 
poison. If you shoot a potion, it will activate immediately, but it won't be quite as powerful as if you manually activate a potion with the magic button. Does Gauntlet have the indestructible potions too, or is that Gauntlet too? Oh, I don't know. Because the, there's the, the there's potions, which is the blue uh, the blue bottle. Yeah. But then there's the indestructible ones, which is an orange bottle. I w- I want to say it's Gauntlet too, but I could be wrong. I don't I remember. Could be wrong. But also there are keys throughout the dungeon, and if you pick up a key, you get a hundred points, and you will need those keys to unlock doors. A key to open doors. So you can get through various parts of the dungeon, and sometimes the exit will be behind a locked door. If you have to get into a locked door and there are no keys available, basically you just have to wait. And after waiting quite a while, it will open for you. Um, Okay, Uh, I did just uh, confirm this. Yes, the orange potions, the indestructible potions are Gauntlet 1. So by extension, they're also Gauntlet 2. Well, it shows you how far I got in the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Yeah, but um, let's go back to those to the four protagonists from which you can choose. There's Thor the warrior, and Thor is generally agreed to be pretty useless in a single player configuration. You only want to use Thor if you're playing with at least one other person. Thor's weapon is a battle axe, and no, I don't mean his mother-in-law. He will deliver two points of damage per hit. He can pretty easily destroy level two and level three enemies, but other than that, he's not really very useful if you're only playing a one-player game. However, he, he's got a buttload of armor. He does. And, oh yeah, and he uh, does. There's uh, one thing I learned about my learned in my years of um, playing World of Warcraft is the concept known as tanking. That means you have the person with the most armor in the front, taking the brunt of the blows, and then you have other people attacking the enemy while the the person with the armor tries to get everybody else's attention focused on him. Uh, So Thor, you can kind of sort of do tanking with him. But uh, yeah, he's definitely not good for a one-player game. Yeah. And And one... And, and if I might intrude oh, upon you, you. Uh, yes, uh, one, the, the main reason I do not use Thor in a one player game, unless I absolutely have to, if the, all the other characters are being played, is the fact that everybody else has like a narrow weapon that can slip through cracks in the walls. Thor's axe cannot do that at all. So that really hampers uh, strategies for uh, hmm. clearing out mazes easily. Yeah, and uh, basically, if you are playing a multiplayer game, whoever is controlling Thor should really focus on just picking up keys. Don't pick up potions as Thor. Leave the potions for characters who are better at them. And um, so that's it. There's one other thing I didn't when I did pl- I did try each character, and there's one thing that I was reading. It says that um, the shots that Thor takes with his battle axe can be kind of large and not really able to go through some thin openings. I didn't really have that problem, but then again, I hmm. might not have really had an opportunity to try. So I don't know. I didn't yeah, see it, that. It as definitely a does not. He definitely cannot shoot through the, uh, through the openings, unfortunately. Well, I got some, well, I was going to say I have good news, but I was actually going to talk about Thyra, the Valkyrie, but yes. uh, she's not really much better than Thor is just has a little bit more magical power. And, um, a lot of times she will need two or three potions in order to perform a magical task that you're 
Other characters might only need one four. The shots that I, I forgot what kind of shots she she fires. She throws a sword. Thank you. That's right. Yes. Uh, kind of like Link in uh, Legend of Zelda. Oh, no, no, we're not putting anything in the show notes. Sorry, 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 sorry. My fault. Anyway, um, so uh, we're talking about how Thor's battle axes can't go through thin openings. Well, uh, Thyra's swords can. But um, if she's part of a multiplayer team, she should also be relegated just to picking up the keys. And which could lead to some interesting fights between Thor and Thyra when they're trying to both pick up keys at the same time. So. Honestly, I usually play Thyra. Really? Uh, when I play, I was thinking that uh, she was the most rounded character uh, of the group. But uh, I mean, let's 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 go on uh, uh, describing the characters. But that's interesting. I did not. I thought she was the the second best, or thought she was the most rounded character. But apparently not. Uh, keep going. Yeah, I didn't really care much for Thyra. The one that I usually play is Merlin the Wizard who yeah. has very good magic skills and with just one potion can clear an entire room of enemies and generators, by the way. So obviously we're talking about how Thyra and Thor are relegated to picking up keys. Same thing with the multiplayer situation and with Merlin. Don't let Merlin pick up the keys. Have him focus on the potions. And when Merlin attacks enemies, he delivers one or two hit points, and that's determined at random, whether it's one or two. One thing that we forgot to mention, all of the uh, the players' scores are on the right-hand side of the screen. Uh, you'll have, there'll be an order, like, I, I don't remember what order, I think it's Thor, Thyra, Merlin, Questor. And it has your score, and underneath it, your uh, your hit points, or it says health. And then underneath it, you have a graphic representation of how many keys or potions you have. And I don't remember how many... Uh, you can fit in one slot. However, if you have that whole thing filled up with keys, you cannot pick up potions. So that lot of stuff you're carrying is shared by keys and potions. So if you have, let's say like the, the, the limit of items you can hold is 10. If you have nine keys, well, you can only help pick up one potion. You have to get rid of more keys if you want more potions. We did forget to mention that, by the way. Oh, something else we forgot to mention. You cannot actually race unless you qualify properly. Yeah, we forgot to mention that about pole position. We haven't talked about pole position yet. Yeah, and just like how I haven't gotten to what you were talking about yet. So, yeah. Oh. Well, I was just going off the notes. Yeah. That wasn't in the notes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, right. anim- I'm sorry. Didn't, animal- did not mean to step on your toes. Animally. Um, well, it's okay. I chopped my toes off earlier, so hey. Oh, okay. Uh, Questor the Elf. Now, generally, they consider Questor to be the best option. I didn't really like the Elf very much, but um, for one-player games, he's typically the recommended character. I prefer Merlin myself. He it, uh, Questor is very fast, which is pretty cool. Um, he has the second-worst armor, I believe. Uh, only Merlin has the worst has worse armor. Yeah, right? his. I'm not I don't think he, does he have any armor actually. Merlin has less. Is, I mean, Merlin's is, got just a robe. And that's why I don't like to use Questor because there's just, he takes too many hit points. He really does, even if he runs away. But um, so that's the. Oh, and by the way, going back to uh, what Jimmy G thought that I forgot to mention um, was on the display on the right side of the screen. It doesn't actually have the names of the characters. It just says Warrior, Valkyrie, Three. Wizard, and Elf. The wizard? The wizard. So, uh, talking about, I mentioned a couple of scores you can get, so let's talk about point scoring in this game. If you 
attack a generator if you... By the way, I didn't mention this, but you can destroy a generator by either shooting it or actually fighting it. fighting it. Yeah, you can actually fight. You can actually have a fist fight with a generator. Go figure that one out. Stupid generator. But if you shoot a generator, you get 20 points for every time you hit it. You get 20 points every time you hit a ghost, a demon, or a sorcerer. Good luck hitting a sorcerer. You get 10 points per hit on a grunt or a lobber. You get 15 points for fighting a grunt by hand, and you get 25 points for fighting a demon by hand. A DePaul blue demon? Um, no, these are not blue demons. These are red demons, uh, actually, so okay. no. Uh, Catholic school has a demon for their mascot. Okay, anyway. Cecil Adams, whom we mentioned in a previous outtake, I believe. Um, the last step, yeah. Um, actually explained that, so. I have to read that again. I haven't read those books in a long time. I haven't read the books in a long time either. If I want to look something up, I just go to the website now. That's true. I like holding a book. Oh, me though. too. I mean, believe me, I do. But yeah. like, if I'm at work or something, and I don't have my that's book handy. You know, that's true. That's true. Like, anyway. if, if I'm at, on my lunch break at work, and yeah. But anyway, so um, that's pretty much all I had to say about the actual gameplay of Gauntlet itself. There, there's one oh, more thing on, I want on, to mention hold on. before you go on. Before you go on, uh, did you talk about the power ups? No, because I don't remember what the power-ups are. Okay, I pulled them up. I, I thought they were only Gauntlet 2, but apparently they are in Gauntlet. And you did you mention that there were you could on some levels you can exit to different levels? Yeah, like on level one, there's a warp to level four, actually. Four, okay, all right. And, okay, the uh, power-ups there, and there are also for, some transporters uh, as well. Yeah, the transporters. So, yeah, it's, you want me to go? Can I? You want me to go on the upgrade potions? Go on the upgrade potions. Okay. Um, you know, Sean. <clears throat> uh, Jim says in his voice that indicates that uh, we certainly did not edit anything out of the proceedings, that there are upgrade potions in the game. Oh, do tell. Do tell. Well, there are, according to this, there are six. And uh, they upgrade the stats for any of your characters. For example, there is an extra armor potion, which grants your character extra armor. The gives them more defense. Uh, you have extra magic power. Warrior now has extra magic power. Uh, it means that you have more magic power, extra shot power, which means your shots have more power, extra shot speed, which means your shots have extra speed, uh, extra speed, which means you have extra speed, and extra fight power, which means that your fighting is more powerful in an extra sort of way. And uh, I think you can actually shoot those potions too, and uh, it will blow up everything on the screen, but yeah, yeah, you don't want to shoot those. Just so be careful and pick up as many as you can. All your powers will be lost if you uh, if the if you run out of health and your game ends. Uh, yeah, all your powers will be lost. Duh. Duh. So, so yes, I wanted to point that out because I'm just that kind of guy. And there's one thing I just wanted to mention that really was driving me crazy when I was playing this game. There is one level I forgot what level it was, but it took me like half an hour to get through it, and uh, it's basically the maze is a bunch of blocks arranged diagonally in rows and yes man, and you gotta know, find like the, the 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 walls that you can actually shoot traps. away it's like oh man yeah the the trap tiles are blue tiles and if you if you walk on them it will uh remove portions of the walls yeah. in the in the maze and then there are also and, uh, walls that you can actually shoot away and there are walls you can shoot and away those are a pain in the butt to fight at least they were on the uh the gauntlet machine i was playing how many levels are there in gauntlet oh man oh i 
don't I don't know. I never finished the game. So I yeah. really don't know. Yeah, because when, yeah, I, when well, I went to get that's the, that well, I, I I'll get to that and yeah. when I talk about Gauntlet, yeah. uh, when I talk about my impressions of this game, my my thoughts on this game. Yeah. And there's something else that I should mention. We don't really normally get into the ultra tech stuff in the game, but there is something a little bit more techy than we usually talk about that I really should mention uh, because this is an Atari game. There is a pokey chip that provides sound, and there are also two additional sound chips. There is a Yamaha YM2151 and a Texas Instruments TMS5220. And the purpose of that TMS5220, well, it's a 5220C actually, is to provide a narration. And this is what kills me. The reference that I'm looking at now, the anonymous reference I'm looking at, says that the narrator is Ernie Facilius, who, uh, who's done a lot of other things. Like he, um, he did hardware wars, which I've only heard about. I've never seen hardware wars. He did some stuff for Sesame street. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did a lot of like uh, a lot of wacky kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know if that's really true because there was something that I noticed in, per- in particular about the narrator voice. Now the narrator's voice, who uh, the speech was was done by Earl Vickers. Earl Vickers programmed the speech in there. The narrator's voice sounds identical to the narrator in Firefox. So I don't. It sounds too. Hmm. It sounds too synthesized to be an actual guy. I think that if to me it sounds like the guy, the voice in uh, Firefox is a little higher pitched. I don't know. I don't. It just know. sounds like t- to me. I don't hide. Um, if you're still editing this at this point, can you like do a comparison? I'll, I'll send you some sound, some sound samples. Boy, is this a machine. But yeah. And, uh, the thing is that voice is essential because you could get really, really, really focused on attacking enemies and trying to shoot the generators and things. And meanwhile, you might have only under 200 health points left and you will get a warning from the speech synthesis telling you your life force is running out or whatever else have you. So that's, uh, that's something I wanted to talk about. I wanted to address the speech, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think it really is that one guy, but Hey, what do I know? I was 10 years old when this, I was possibly younger than 10 when this thing was programmed, because I don't know when the voice was added. It was added sometime between 1983 and 1985 and I turned 11 when this game was actually released. So, hey, as you like to say, that having been said, um, mm-hmm. should we talk about the home versions that have appeared? Well, I'm just wondering, there's more things about Gauntlet we haven't even touched on. Really? I, did I just mention wondering how many levels there are? There are apparently, after level 999, it warps around to level 8. And we didn't even talk about the technique of stalling. Stalling? If you say like you're in a maze. Like you're in you a have maze. No, okay. And you have no keys. Yeah, I talked about that. You did talk yes, about stalling? Yes, waiting the 20 ticks? Oh, I didn't know it was 20 ticks, though. Yeah. It's 20 health ticks. You wait 20 health ticks, and uh, all the doors will open. And if you wait for 400 health ticks, all the walls will turn into exits. Oh. Yeah, if you're in a multiplayer game, it can get really easy to, like, get trapped. And so, uh, mm. yeah, the uh, 400 ticks uh, thing might be a helpful way to get out of it. Oh, so. I gotcha. So what else did we not yet address? 
Uh, I think that's it. Oh, okay. Let's talk about uh, the home version. Oh, wait. We briefly touched on the transporters. Well, what more is there to say? There are transporters. You you step on one, and it transports you to the nearest transporter. But there's a trick to it, though. Uh, when you're in the transporter, it transports you to the nearest transporter. However, you can guide which side of the transporter or which transporter, if there's multiple on the screen, indeed, uh, at the same time. Uh, but just by when you go into the transporter, pushing your joystick in a different direction. And it's important because some transporters are like right along. They'll have like uh, three walls, but they're like two of the corners are hollowed out. And that's a way you can like, you know, get to a place that's previously um, unreachable, I guess. So when you go into the transporter, if you push the joystick in any one of, in any direction, you can control where your character will reappear and in which uh, transporter it will reappear. Uh, you have to play around with it, obviously, to find out uh, how it works. But uh, but yeah, you can control where you emerge from a transporter. Oh, yeah, I bet you didn't know that. I actually I, I I knew a little bit about that, but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Should I talk about the home versions that exist? Sure, or why existed? Not? I it. should say. Well, we already know there's an NES version because we talked about that already. There, I actually owned that at one time. Oh, well, there was also a version for DOS, for Apple II, the MSX, the Apple II GS, Sega Master System, the Atari 8-bit line of computers, and the Atari 16-bit computers, that is the Atari ST, Amstrad CPC, Commodore 64, and the Sega Genesis. And it was actually called Gauntlet 4 on the Sega Genesis. Yes, uh, Gauntlet 4 on the Sega Genesis actually had and i was actually playing this recently like three weeks ago i'm trying to remember uh, gauntlet 4 isn't like a, a straight up game like this one where you just the object is to find the exit uh you're pl- you're plopped into the middle of like a, a huge like a huge room there are no enemies in there if i'm not mistaken but there are like four towers that you have to defeat and uh like you go off one way it'll say like uh, exit to water tower or exit to fire tower or you know whatever and then you play through all of those levels just like like a regular gauntlet and then when once you reach the top you got to do something there you've conquered the tower and you have to conquer all four of the towers plays the same but there's more a little more strategy to it i guess and uh, it's 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 quite interesting it's uh, it's definitely worth a look and actually if i'm not mistaken i think gauntlet on the nes the mazes are different and some mazes can have multiple exits, and when you exit the maze, you'll go on to, you'll see like a map screen, uh, kind of like the map screen in uh, Smash TV from last week's episode. And uh, you try to get around uh, around that maze to procure certain items, and then you, you have to you get them, and there's actually a definite ending to the NES gauntlet, just like there is Gauntlet 4 on the, uh, the Genesis. There have been a, really a ton of different versions of Gauntlet. I mean, oh, yeah. not just... Just straight up gauntlet, but I mean different like kind of variations. The Atari Lynx version uh, actually started out as a different game because it was, Epics was programming a gauntlet-like game for the Lynx when uh, they still were <laughs> when they designed it. Uh, uh, Epics designed the Lynx, and then they sold it to Atari. Atari saw the game, then they decided saw how close it was to gauntlet, so they slapped the gauntlet name on it. So it's it is gauntlet, it isn't gauntlet. No, so you know, for whatever that's worth. Well, then you got Dark Chambers. Dark Chambers is more of a graphical version of Dandy 
than it is a gauntlet thing. Which is weird because I never played Dark Chambers until literally before we recorded tonight. Like while we were setting up, I was playing Dark Chambers. I realized I've had this on the 7800 for a long time and never actually played it. As far as I'm concerned, Dark Chambers is freaking gauntlet. It looks so much Basically. like it, it plays like it. And the 2600 Dark Chambers as well. In fact, yeah. there's a... Uh, Which I also have uh, actually, had for uh, months were, but never played. Yeah, they have, there's actually a, a hack of Dark Chambers for the 2600 to make it play more like Gauntlet. The one thing that the, the Dark Chambers games uh, could really use is a bit of a speed up. They, they are slow. They're a slow slog. And Dandy was a faster game. And if you haven't, haven't played the Atari 8-bit Dandy, play it. Uh, just one thing to remember that... Um, to, uh, to activate the uh, the bombs, I think you have to hit shift and the number one. Um, and I think to use the keys, you have to press the number one. No, 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 no. I, I, you know what? I don't remember, but I do know you have to do the shift and number one to use the uh, the, the bombs, the potions. Right. And uh, it's, uh, that's actually a very, very fun game. Obviously, the graphics are extremely primitive, but I urge everybody to try it. It's fun. Oh, do you? I just might have to try it then. I have right. an Atari 8-bit computer right to my left, right, right to my left. I'm uh, urging you. All right, I, well, You're, I, I, I'm giving you the urge. Well, consider me urged. So there we well, go. Tell me about your first time playing Gauntlet. Let's talk about your first. Oh, time. I remember my first time. She was drunk. Oh, wait a minute, playing Gauntlet. Um, the first place I ever saw it, and I don't know if it's the first place I played it, but the first place I saw it was at that game place at Jefferson Square oh, Mall. Yes. It was funny because uh, it was it was brand spanking new, and there was a sign on it that says, if one person's playing, oh, put, yeah, in your, you put in your token. Before. Yeah, put in your token and start a game. If two people are playing, put in your token and play. If three people are playing, put in your token and play. If four people are playing, wait. <laughs> oh, man, and that's what happened to me Saturday, too, practically, because I went to Galloping. Oh, God. Yeah, here's what happened. I could not emulate Gauntlet or Pole Position properly. It just wasn't working. Even on my GPD-XD, which I love that thing, I just was not having a good time emulating it because the eight-way joystick on that thing was very sensitive. No matter what I tried, I could only shoot diagonally when I wanted to shoot up, down, left, or right. I could only shoot up, down, left, or right when I wanted to shoot diagonally, and I tried reverse psychology, and that didn't work. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. Yeah. I'm going to go to Galloping Ghost. I don't. Uh, Galloping Ghost has both gauntlet and pole position. So I went to Galloping Ghost, and my wife mm-hmm. said, well, I really want you here back in time for dinner. And because traffic sucked, I was there for a very short time. And <laughs> I, seriously, I spent more time driving there and back than I did actually inside Galloping Ghost. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it really does. Considering like how... Yeah, it normally takes me half hour to get there. But anyway, so I'll talk later about pole position, but I'm looking around for gauntlet and I find gauntlet and it's being bogarted by three people and I there weren't wasn't enough room for my fat ass to get in there or any other part of my body, so I had to wait and think maybe uh, maybe an hour goes by, they're still there. It's like, oh, come on, man. So, man, I, I finally got to it, and, you know, I played it for a while. And, oh, by the way, I should also note that when you insert a coin or give yourself a credit somehow, you get a set number of health points depending on how the settings are configured in the machine. 
And mm-hmm. I think the one at Galloping Ghost is set so that each different character has different health points. Like I think the wizard Ooh. starts off with 750. I think mm-hmm. the elf starts with 700 or something. I think by default, I think by default they all start with the same uh, the same number of health points, but hey. Hmm. And for every credit you put in, the more health points you get. And your game ends when you run out of health points. There, there are no lives or anything here. Mm-hmm. But uh the first time I ever played the arcade gauntlet was um, April 29th, 2017 at Galloping Ghost Arcade. I never played the arcade version before. Really? My first ever experience with gauntlet was actually on the Commodore 64. Ah, okay. Because I had read rave reviews about the Commodore 64 version of Roadrunner. So one day I went to Sears because I knew they carried software. I, I looked, I, I checked Sears and I checked Babbage's. I th- it was either Orland Square or Louis Juliet Mall. I don't remember. I think it was Sears that had what I was looking for. They had Roadrunner, but it was part of a game package called mm-hmm. Arcade Mega Hits Volume 1. I think I had that for the Atari ST. Oh, really? It was uh, by Mindscape. And what was really cool, all the games in there were actually really cool. There was Paperboy. And, uh, okay, which I had a I, different one. Which uh, I can't wait to talk about. Sorry, Ferg, but we got to talk about it. And uh, I actually had that as a standalone game, but uh, Paperboy was great on the Commodore 64. It came with Blockbuster. It came with uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and, of course, Gauntlet. So that was my first experience with Gauntlet, and I really liked it. I really I, I liked it. And um, so, hey, that's what I have to say about uh, my first experience playing Gauntlet. Now, you mentioned this multi-pack. Uh, I had a similar one, for, like I was saying, for the Atari ST. can't remember the name of it, uh, the, the actual name of the pack. It was by a company called U.S. Gold, and it had Gauntlet, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Roadrunner, and an obscure game, well, obscure in the United States, uh, arcade game called Metrocross, hmm. which is a fairly, uh, fairly fun game. And... Um, so it came with, yeah, it came with all four of those. I can't remember if it came with a fifth game or not. I don't think so. But uh, they were all uh, ported pretty um, faithfully, as it were. Hmm. And um, those were those were fun. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all I had to say about that. How about we talk about record scores? Yes, let's talk about record scores. The high score records, that is. Um, I'm going to start with Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. There are two tracks there. There's one for starting with 700 health points, one for starting with 600. The 700 health points record on Orcade.com is from Adam Wood, 15,865, yeah. on May 9th, 2000, during Fun Spot 2. That's a pretty low score. Yeah, Even I was really able to score more than that. <laughs> uh, and this is, by the way, assuming it no continues allowed. The 600-point yeah. track um, looks like Orcade.com lists Phil Fenton as having the record there. Performed September 1st, 2013 at Galloping Ghost Arcade. 225,007 points. Yeah, that's, that's more in line. Yeah, I can see with that. A, with a, yeah. Which makes me wonder if the uh, maybe some of the other settings for the 700 health points one were set more difficult. I don't know. I, I don't know. Might have been. That's that's a good question. Consu- and considering it was part of it, it, I'm guessing it was part of a tournament. It might have had special settings just for that tournament too. 
So that might have been it, too. That happens from time to time. Twin Galaxies does that from time to time as well. Speaking of Twin Galaxies, they only track right now single-player games with starting health at 700. There were tracks listed for two, three, and four-player games, but thing is like if you click on those tracks it was at least when i was going through this doing the research it was giving me database errors when i clicked on those tracks so i don't know if it's that they just don't have any scores there or if there's an actual problem that's preventing those scores from showing up so the only thing showing up right now is the single player track for which mark singleton holds the record verified august 21st 2016 and i don't know how the hell this is possible but his score listed is 5,615,337. How is I that I don't possible? know how that's possible. Considering that your health is constantly depleting. And uh, the only thing I think of is he might have memorized maze patterns or something. Unless he just was uh, just focusing on just trying to get out of the maze. Because you can get bogged down trying to shoot oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the thing is, it seems like after a while, the mazes are randomly, not randomly generated, but they're, um, uh, the, uh, the order in which they are uh, presented is random after a while. So I don't know. Uh, and the thing is, that's a fairly recent score, which tells me that people like twin galaxies users had to have watched a video of that happened and confirmed that he actually did that with the proper settings too. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what really kills me. There is that there's video evidence of this guy doing that. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, in fact, it says right here, a uh, verification method, TG SAP, which is their current method of verifying and certifying basically you upload a video of your gameplay and upload a video of the uh the board settings and everything to show that you're playing properly and everything and just wow craziness it's madness i tell you yeah so yeah that's gauntlet and gauntlet did have some sequels oh well, we did talk about Gauntlet 4, which implies a Gauntlet 3. Yeah, which I wasn't able to find any evidence of, but I was... Um, wait, wait, wait. The Gauntlet gauntlet on the links that I brought up earlier, I believe that was called Gauntlet the Third Encounter. I, you know what? I think that I think that's actually uh, the title of it, now that I think about it. But I still don't think that's Gauntlet 3, though. Ugh. Tis a puzzlement. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, yes, tell us about these sequels. Well, there's Gauntlet I, uh, excuse me, there's Gauntlet 2, sorry, which, I don't know, from what I could tell, and I played Gauntlet 2 while I was at the Ghost 2. Their Gauntlet 2 machine is immediately to the left of Gauntlet. And the seriously, if you look at those two machines side by side, they're virtually identical. Virtually yeah. identical. And really, the gameplay is pretty much the same. You have the same goal. You have the same characters pretty much. Um, the one difference that I notice is that you can actually choose which character you are. It doesn't matter which uh, set of controls you're using, which coin you could slot you could be a red Valkyrie if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And who yeah. wouldn't want to be a red Valkyrie? The different uh, control panel, the, the different control panels, all they do is they basically determine what color you are. But you can red have... Red Valkyrie shot the food yeah, you badly. Can, you can have <laughs> multiple players of the same character just with different colors. You could have an all-elf game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And who doesn't want that? I know. Tell me. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there, there are some extras. See, the way I see it, 
I, I could be off base here, but the way I see it is Gauntlet 2 is basically the Gauntlet equivalent to exciting new Pac-Man Plus. Yeah, it's just a I little, could sort of see that. just some kind of so what kind of extras. How, uh, however, that, though, the, the, the sele- being able to select which character, regardless of where you are on the control panel, is the best reason to play Gauntlet 2 over Gauntlet 1. Yeah, re- really, I can't. I can't really argue against that. There. I mean, what What are the extras? Well, Gauntlet Two has. If you step on certain tiles, you might you will freeze in place for a few seconds. Stun. I purposely said freeze to not use that word. Stunned. And um, sorry. Let's see. There are force fields that will kind of flash on and off, and you have to cross them when they're off, of course, or else you will lose some hit points. And uh, there's a new enemy, at least one new enemy in Gauntlet 2, which I actually thought was kind of cool. This is what I was thinking about before. Uh The enemy is called It, and it kind of looks like a fireball or something. But when you touch it, and that is when and not if, because that thing will attack you. And as soon as it does, you become it, kind of like a game of tag. And -hmm. what happens is all of the enemies on the screen will head toward you until you touch another player, assuming there is another player, and that player becomes it. You're it. Now you are the one who is it. Understood. And if you have a warrior, let the warrior touch it. Because the warrior has the most armor. Ah, there you and, go. Yeah, that goes back to what I was talking about before, about tanking. Oh, Strategy. Yeah. And uh, there are some fake exits and secret rooms in Gauntlet 2. For me, actually, what I really love about Gauntlet 2, now, both Gauntlet and Gauntlet 2, when you die, you have a countdown timer. I think it's set to 20 seconds usually. And it gives you that amount of time to basically continue the game, like put in mm-hmm. some more credits to get yourself some more health points. What I love about Gauntlet 2 is it plays some organ music during that countdown timer and it sounds fantastic. You would swear you were actually right next to a pipe organ. It's so good. You know, one thing we forgot to mention about Gauntlet 1, and it just occurred to me, is let's say like you got a multiplayer game going on and you die and you decide you don't want to continue. Everything you're carrying will be dropped on the screen. If you're oh, carrying yeah, nothing, yeah. you if you're carrying nothing, you will turn into a pile of bones which will be a ghost generator. But if you're carrying stuff, it will drop on the ground and other people can pick up the stuff that you dropped. And I believe that's also including power-ups. Hmm. I th- yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, I uh, forgot to mention that. So yeah, but I, it, I, that, I, everything from Gauntlet carries over to Gauntlet too. Yeah, but yeah, I love that organ music though. It's really, that really is cool. cool. And one other thing, uh, one other thing about Gauntlet 2 is that they, uh, there's a dragon in the game. Of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't there be? And uh, he shoots fireballs at you unless you get really close. And then he just uh, blasts you away with flame, like a flamethrower. Uh, you got to shoot him in the head. I think it's like eight times. Uh, I don't remember any of the, the points on that. But uh, yeah, but that's a, a, a nice little addition to the game. Um, and of course, he's always in front of the exit, you know, the, or in the, at least in the path where you have to go. And, uh, yeah, you want to watch how close you get to him and, um, might be a good time to use riff <clears throat> blue Valkyrie now has reflective shots. So Ooh, the reflective shots are cool mm-hmm. and limited. In, there's also limited invisibility, uh, potion. There's limited repulsiveness and, uh, there's one other, which is escaping me for the moment. I could be wrong. 
That might be all. Oh, and uh, you mentioned the secret rooms. Did you mention the secret room? Oh, you're just going to have to wait until the podcast comes out in here. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. Yes, I mentioned the secret rooms. Did you say why there's a secret room in there? I did not. Are you going to? No, because I really don't give a crap. Oh, okay. Uh, Atari had a contest, and if you were able to get into the secret room, it gave you a code, and you could uh, send a letter to Atari to get a free Gauntlet 2 t-shirt. Oh. Mm-hmm. Did anybody collect on that? I don't know. Oh, well, here's the thing, though. Here's we, the thing. If, we if are you're going to be about... in the arcade, are you going to really have something to write down information with in your pocket? Well, if you know about it ahead of time, then yeah. I have never, ever gotten into the secret Wait, room. Or you could just take out your iPhone and just you know, take a picture of it. What's so hard about that? In 1986? Sure. You didn't have an iPhone in 1986? I'm lucky if I had a landline. Huh. Oh, well, I don't know what to tell you unless you use your, your landline camera. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I I didn't do any research in that because we're talking about gauntlet, not gauntlet two or it's other sequels, gauntlet legends and, um, gauntlet. Oh, what the hell is the other one? Dark legacy, gauntlet, dark legacy, which are basically like 3d gauntlet games. Really? They are from 1998 and 2000, respectively, and they don't have scores on them, but there is a cool feature on them that uh, that's kind of unique. It's that you can actually save your progress. You can enter a username and password and then come back to it another day and pick up where you left off. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. One I might thing have heard wrong. Let- I could have sworn that Duke told me that it was if it was networked, you could actually do that from another machine, too. But I don't know if that's necessarily mm, I don't true. know about that. And the Gauntlet, Dark Legacy, and Gauntlet Legends actually have one thing going for them that Gauntlet and Gauntlet 2 don't have. An actual object and ending. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. I didn't know they were an object, because the way it was described to me, I think it was by Duke again. It just He just made it sound like it was just basically like, you just do stuff, and that was pretty much it. There was no like goal or anything. Oh, um, actually, more about know. the Gauntlet 2 t-shirt thing. It was only the first 500 entries got the Gauntlet oh. 2 t-shirt, and there was an actual a contest over and above that what? for a $5,000 savings bond. Oh. So if you got into the, one of the first 500 to get into the secret room, you got A, a t-shirt, and B, a chance to win a $5,000 savings bond. So that's oh. pretty cool. Anybody collect on the savings that's very bond? very cool. I don't know. Huh. I'm looking that up, and I cannot find information. But again, we're talking about Gauntlet, not Gauntlet 2, so who cares? Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, and I think that is all I wanted to say about uh, Gauntlet. Did you want to say anything further about Gauntlet? Well. Perhaps rating it? I, well, uh, the gr- I love the graphics, and I love the sound effects, and... The, only, the, the problem I have with Gauntlet is there's no real object other than to get to the exit. I mean, hmm. there's, for a fantasy game, I would expect there to be some sort of a an object, which they fixed with Gauntlet 4 on Sega Genesis and Gauntlet on the NES, but there's just no object, and after a while, it gets repetitive. It really does. It, it's a really repetitive game, and I don't hate the game i just get bored after a while it's a great game but i get bored dandy is a much better game uh in the sense that i i don't know if that really has an object or not either but it seems i think it like ends after a while we're gone you can just as i said i'm uh from from the information that i had 
999 levels, and then it rolls around to eight. I just... I'm going to see if I can track I, down that Twin Galaxies video. Just see how that guy got 5.6 million. Yeah, no kidding. But um, it, the, it's got great graphics. The sound effects. I especially love like the sound effects of opening the door and picking up a key, and then when you uh, walk over food to collect it, uh, the uh, the the sound of you munching or saying yum or something like that, and then the voice is is legendary. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention this, that uh, your characters will react to, like, getting shot and things and getting attacked. Uh. They're kind of, and, the, I, and you got to love the effort that the voice actors or speech synthesis, whatever, puts into that. Ow, ow, oh. Don't ow. shoot your friends. So, yeah, there are certain levels. Was that, is that Gauntlet 2 or just Gauntlet? It might be Gauntlet 2 where you can shoot your, and actually do damage to your uh, friends on some levels. And crossbow. Yeah, well, Crossbow. Don't shoot your friends. Jim and Sean did a podcast badly. Um, yeah, I can't. You know what? I can't rate it more than a three, just because it's repetitive and there's just no object to it. I mean, a game like a game like Pac-Man is a game of skill that doesn't really need an object. It's one of those just you know try to see how far you can go. Uh, then on try one, to break that one record token. the next hour. Yeah, Gauntlet with the way that you can continue and you can just keep pumping tokens in to uh to increase your health a game like that needs an object you need a destination and gauntlet and gauntlet to just don't have them and i think that hurts the game overall It, it hurts what is otherwise a really fun game and it can really get frustrating when you're playing with multiple people especially people that don't know how to play the game and uh, you're you're trying to go toward the exit, and they're just trying to go everywhere else. And then you get stuck in the corner, and you have to tell them, "Move to the left. Move to the. I'm stuck. Move to the left." And <laughs> you know, I've had that happen more than once, especially when like a, a seven or eight year old like tries to play the game with me. Oh god. And um, yeah, I you know what? I can't rate it more than a three for for those reasons. It's just it just it can be frustrating, and the lack of an object and its repetitiveness just do it for me yeah i read it three continues as well and i'm going to tell you part of the reason is that my hand actually got sore playing this because oh from playing the game oh okay playing the game yeah and and yeah it it is repetitive and it just seems kind of pointless eventually so it's like what is the point here i'm just shooting things and picking stuff up shooting things picking stuff up and then trying for the exit and at some point you you're basically facing swarms and swarms and swarms of ghosts and there's no mm-hmm. way you can shoot through them and of course you can't fight them and i noticed early on in the especially even in the first level if you don't play carefully you choose the correct ones um in the first level i mean you have the exit and then you have exit to level four i believe um if you're going for that exit to level four uh, with all of the ghosts that right just beyond that locked door, you could easily lose your life on the first level. Oh yeah, uh, that which just I, I guess if you're trying to go for level four, I mean you got to prove yourself, but it's level four. It's not like you're going to like level twelve yeah, or right. twenty. So it's yeah. like trading away your draft picks in the NFL draft just to go up one more level. To pick a player who still would have been there for the next couple of rounds because nobody else wanted him. But hey, that's that's life. 
Just That's saying. Just, just saying. Just saying. It's what people say. And um, but yeah, three continues because the thing is, I really want to like this game, and I did like Gauntlet very much when I played it on the Commodore sixty four. I think it's one of these games that translates well as a home game, but as a game you're going to stand up and play in the arcade. I don't know, not so much. One thing I do have to say, I did have Gauntlet 2 on the Atari ST as well. And uh, uh, I don't remember who made it, but there was a, a, a device uh, that hooked into the printer port, the, what was it, that's the, the parallel port, on the, uh, on the Atari ST computer, which allowed you to put two more joysticks on there. So you could actually play all four people. And I have to say, at home, when you're playing all four people on Gauntlet 2, and it was very, very faithful uh, you really couldn't tell the difference between the arcade and the Atari ST version. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but it's it still suffers from the repetitiveness and the just the lack of an object. It wouldn't even be so bad if, like, say, you got up to level fifty. You know, you had to get to level fifty, and then uh, after you cre- you did that, you know, did whatever task, then take you all the way back to level one to start again at a higher rate of uh, higher level of difficulty. Even that would have been, I think, uh, would have been enough to move the game up one point in my uh, rating. But, you know, it, it didn't. So there you go. But yeah, when I got to that one level where it was just diagonal walls and you had to find the hidden ones that you shoot, you had to find these ones you shoot away. I got so tired of that thing. I just... I was just praying that something would just kill me just so I could just end the game. You know, that's one other thing about the levels we didn't mention is um, most of the levels, you can only go so far to the left or the right or, you know, up and down. And there's like a wall, like, like a square, you know, and you're kind of hemmed in. However, every now and then there's a level that it warps. It, it just continuously scrolls left and right. And um, I'm wondering if maybe you were on one of those levels, because the one diagonal level I'm thinking of does do that. It, it, it just keeps continuously scrolling like a Mobius band, I guess, if you will. So I was wondering if maybe that's what you're, the level you were on. Unless I'm thinking of Gauntlet 2, which know. is a possibility. Oh, speaking See, of Gauntlet- honestly, some, a, lot of the, a lot of stuff with both games just kind of, kind of like, you know, blur, because they're basically the same game with just added features. Yeah. In the case of Gauntlet, too. Yeah, and so when I got to the ghost and there were people bogarting the Gauntlet machine, I tried Gauntlet 2. Except that I noticed that there were all there was already a game in progress that oh. someone had abandoned with two characters still living and with several thousand hit points left. I was so pissed. Because I wanted to, to the s- infidels. I w- I just I wanted to start a brand new game, and of course I could. I had to figure out a way to just kill off these characters. And it <sighs> took me like 20 minutes to do that. That that that's the one drawback to the pay one price all you can play arcade, because if you had to put your own tokens in there, that would not happen. That's the only drawback to that thing. But I, I, that's that's my biggest pet peeve in the arcade. Now, was that the chainsaw comment? Was it was that what that was regarding? I don't remember. Might have been. I'm not going to repeat it because we got the sample somewhere. Well, I know that uh, Andy and yeah, uh, Andy, Andy has and the, uh, Tim the have them. Yeah. yeah. So. So, at any rate, okay. But I'm done, I'm done. talking about Gauntlet 2, so we both I agree. Am. Three I'm done continues. talking about Gauntlet 2, and or I'm I mean, done as con- well. I'm done talking about all the Gauntlet games, so. Me too. Three, no more Gauntlet. Three continues from me, three continues from uh, G, me. comma, Jimmy. <laughs> G-Man, G-Money. 
So uh, you want to talk about a other game? Uh, yeah. Uh, how about pole position? Ooh, ah, pole position. Ah, Yay, gauntlet. Po- ah, pole position. Yay, gauntlet. Yay, pole position. We forgot to address the other oh, games. Yeah. So. Pole position. They had a, actually a fairly decent uh, Saturday morning uh, pole position cartoon show. Oh, God. I forgot very about that cartoon. That uh, I, I forgot about that cartoon show that I never knew about until about two years ago. Uh, it had, had one of the better theme songs for a Saturday morning cartoon, too. Uh, you're in a race car. And the object is... There's two different uh, phases, if you will. One is the qualifying lap. Prepare to qualify. And the second one is the race itself. And you have to get past the qualifying lap to get into the race. Uh, Pole Position is was released in November 1982 but in North America by Atari. It was licensed from Namco, which I believe it was uh, released in October of 82 by Namco. And uh, came, on, came in two different models, a stand-up. You know, typical Atari type cabinet and a sit down cockpit model. This I thought was curious. The controls you have a steering wheel and a gear shift you can you know select lower high and accelerator pedal. However, only the cockpit model has a brake pedal. The stand up does not. But uh, you learn to work the uh, the gear shift. You don't need that brake pedal. So as I said, uh, there's two rounds first to qualify to get into the race and. You have to complete the lap in a certain number of seconds. You get a total default 90 seconds to complete the qualifying round. Uh, it can be selected up to a minute, and a half, uh, actually two minutes, if I'm not mistaken, by the dip switches. And I have to go into what pole position means. That means spot number one. In a race, that means that is the spot at the front of the line right next to the pole. Hence pole position. There are no cars in front of you. Remember that. And to get the pole position in the qualifying lap, uh, the default setting by the dip switch is 58 and a half seconds. The second position, which is right next to it, uh, which is uh, 60 seconds. And then the third position is 62, 64 for the fourth, 66 for the fifth, 68 for the sixth, 70 for the seventh, and 73 for seconds for the eighth position. Uh, if you take more than 73 seconds, uh, you just keep playing the game until the time runs out, and then you get whatever points at the you know the end of the qualifying lap, and your game is over. Now, the race itself is you have either you can, depending on the operator, it's set to either three or four laps. I believe three is the default. Um, again, you have ninety seconds to complete. Uh, complete. Actually, four the- is the default. Four laps, one hundred and twenty seconds. Practice difficulty C. Extended oh, lap well. difficulty G. You're not happen to be happening to be looking at the notes that I uh, threw together, are you? Actually, eh? no. Eh? I was looking at my notes. Oh. oh well, well, you have 90 seconds to complete the lap in the race, and if you get past the finish line, uh, it'll say extend time, and uh, whatever time you have left over gets added onto the next round. And uh, there are more cars and obstacles. Uh, well, only a real obstacle, other than the cars are. Uh, pedal or pedals, puddles of water, which uh, slow you down slightly. Your vehicle can also slow down by driving on the red and white striped shoulder of the road, and you lose time if you uh, run into a vehicle or a billboard on the side of the track. Uh, we'll get into some of that in just a moment here. Uh, scoring. Uh, first of all, points are scored for every foot of track driven. I didn't notice this, but I think it's like 10 points for every foot. I don't remember. I didn't check that out. Uh, at the end of the, uh, the qualifying lap or the main race, you get 50 points for each 
car that you have passed. And finishing the game awards you 200 points for each second left on the timer. Now, I had mentioned about how many seconds it took to get for each spot and lineup in the race. You also get bonus points. So, you get 4,000 bonus points if you get the pole position. The second position, 2,000 points. The third position, 1,400. Fourth, 1,000. Fifth, 800. Sixth, 600. Seventh, 400. And eighth place, 200 points. Uh, that's really the game in a nutshell. It's, it's kind of simple. Um, it's pretty hard to, uh, to emulate uh, because of the control. But uh, here's some, some trivia. Uh, apparently, uh, 20,400 units were produced by Atari. Uh, that was 17,250 uprights and 3,150 cockpit models. And this is interesting. This is the very first racing game that is actually based on a real track. Uh, oh. The Fuji Speedway is a real speedway in Japan. And uh, if the uh, image of Mount Fuji in the scrolling background uh, didn't give it away that it was based on a real track, well, then you must be blind. The billboards in the game have different uh, different messages on them. There are different ones in the U.S. version and the Japanese version. Uh, the U.S. version has, uh, hip, or all of them have arrow signs indicating, you know, the curve. If it's curve right or left. But the, uh, the Atari version has billboards for Namco, Atari, Centipede, Dig Dug, and one that just says USA. Whereas Japanese has billboards uh, also for Pepsi, Martini, Champion, and Marlboro. Yes, cigarettes. And I'll talk more about the Marlboro cigarette billboards in just a moment here. In the Atari version, uh, when you begin the round, a blimp with the word Atari carries a white banner that says, prepare to qualify across the screen with a female announcer saying the same thing. And in the Japanese version, the uh, uh, Goodyear blimp carries the message. And of course, the message and the voiceover are both in Japanese. Duh. Now, in the non-Japanese versions of the game, uh, the blimp will fly across the screen again at you know, once you've qualified for the race and it will say prepare to race and the announcer will say great driving, you're qualified to race. And when you complete a lap in the Atari version, it says the word Fuji on the sign above the cars where it says uh, Namco in all of the Namco versions of the game, which is the Namco, the, the Atari version actually makes more sense since it's the Fuji Speedway. So, you know, there you go. I was looking at the operator's manual for the game, and this is the best hint for any game ever. I mean, this game, or this hint, will make you succeed at everything in life. I oh. mean, you could have your life philosophy uh, based on this. Um, you could start a religion around this playing hint Ooh, in the operator's manual. I wonder if I tax-free that way. You, you might be able to. Okay, you ready for this? Make sure you're sitting down, holding on to something. Um, have a drink uh, handy so that you can... It'll spray it out in, in excitement. I have know, a after Two Brothers here. Prairie Path Golden Ale in my hand right now. Awesome. All right, here it is. You ready? Mm -hmm. Here's the hint to playing the game in the operator's manual. Accelerate and stay ahead of other racers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that, that's my whole life philosophy. I mean, wow. it's replaced be excellent to each other for my life philosophy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Accelerate oh. and stay ahead of other racers. That's the answer. Yes. Hold the controller with the word top at the top and the button at the upper left. Oh, dude. 
Bill. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when after? Oh, by the way, my world record attempts at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic have now been officially certified. So yay! I got yay! My, I got my Pac Man collection record back. But um, anyway, do you remember? I don't know if you were if you were there when this happened. But after I finished playing Pac Man Collection, I used the Atari Twenty Six Hundred joystick in that one. And after I was done with that, I put the joystick out in front. So if in case anybody else wanted to try it, they could. There there was, and mm-hmm. yeah, there were a couple of people. Who came by? Try. There was one dude who came by, picked up the joystick, and he could not control the damn thing. He was like, "What? What's going on here?" He was holding the joystick wrong, <laughs> so he needed to read the man the part in the manual that says. Actually, I don't think the Pac-Man collection manual tells you how to hold the joystick. No, I don't think it does. That's the, all right. But all right, Bob, you got to redo the manual and tell people <laughs> how to hold the joystick. But you know what? I think it's time for another episode. I think this this qualifies of video game physics. It's time for another edition of Video Game Physics. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask, because I, I, I was pretty sure there was going to be some physics that we have to explain here. Yes. Okay, in pole position, in the first lap, in either the qualifying or in the race, you will always pass other cars about halfway through the lap. It's impossible, because if you pass everybody... You shouldn't see the other cars until you're about a lap and a half in. Uh, And especially in the qualifying lap, in a qualifying lap on a regular racetrack, there are no other cars on the track anyway. So there shouldn't be any cars on either. You shouldn't, in real life, it it would be impossible to meet any other cars on a racetrack unless the other cars are driven by the doctor. Unless, you know, the other cars can displace time and space. Of course. So, uh... Yeah, so there's your uh, that, there's your video game physics yeah, for you. And, yeah, physics works differently in video games. So yeah, it absolutely Indeed. is possible. So uh, there were sequels to Pole Position. Uh, there was sequels? Pole Position. There were sequels. There was Pole Position Two, which we'll talk about a little bit in a moment. And then there was uh, there's a series of arcade games called Final Lap. Um, Maybe that's more of a legacy. Maybe that, that's like spiritual sequel, but uh, there was a whole bunch of different Final Lap games. I'm not going to even get into them because, quite frankly, I only listed the first Final Lap game, which was released in 1987. And this is interesting. Uh, as, for, as there was a, I had mentioned uh, about how one, the, the billboard in the Japanese version of the game said, uh, advertise Marlboro cigarettes. Well, here's the lowdown on that. From what I've been able to ascertain, the only reason Marlboro was included in the Japanese version was because there were there actually were Marlboro billboards at the real Fuji Speedway. Um, according to ArcadeMuseum.com, Arcade-Museum.com, in regards to the game Final Lap, which the, the Marlboro billboards did appear in Final Lap, in 1990, Philip Morris, the tobacco conglomerate, filed a lawsuit claiming copyright infringement against Namco because this game featured a Marlboro billboard, which was found on the real-life Suzuka and Monaco tracks. Oh, I'm sorry, not the Fuji. It was on the Suzuka and Monaco tracks. Philip Morris was under investigation at the time for their role in the increase in preteen smoking and the appearance of one of the brands in games aimed toward children and teens did not help the company's already tarnished image. Uh. Namco was forced to pay a settlement. So, yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that they got sued over that. Um, so, ports. Yeah, the reports. Uh, consoles, we had the Atari 2600, the Atari 5200, uh, the Vectrex, uh, the Mattel Intellivision. Intellivision? Uh, for home com- yes, and I actually huh. played it a little bit. That was actually uh, an NTV release. 
after Mattel got out of it and Intellivision just became its own thing after it was uh, taken over by the Blue Sky Rangers. Uh, Dig Dug for it and Commando for the Intellivision were released about the same time. On computers, it was released on the TI-99-4A, the Texas Instruments, uh, the Atari Atari 8-bit computers, the Commodore VIC-20, the Commodore C64, and the the PC, uh, MS-DOS. It it was on numerous plug-and-play units, uh, which are generally emulated, but I have to... uh, The reason I'm bringing up... We generally don't mention too many of the plug-and-play units, but they had an ingenious solution for the steering for pole position on the one plug-and-play unit, uh, it had like Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man, Zevious, Mappy, the whole nine yards on them. And um, it had pole position. And, you know, moving a joystick left and right to steer vehicle is just not the same as turning a steering wheel or whatever. But for the particular plug-and-play unit, you would actually turn the joystick to uh, act as a steering. Ah, uh, that's right. To act as steering. And uh, I've got one coming my way, uh, thanks to one of our, our Patreons, uh, Rory Coleman, I just got to get a time to get oh, it from Thanks, him. Rory Charles Coleman. Yes, thank you. So uh, I am looking forward to trying that out. My dad actually has that as well, but I don't think I've ever played it. No, no, I think I did play it on his TV. Interesting. Got to talk a little bit about pole position too. Uh, this was actually December 1983 by Atari, October of 83 Namco. Uh, there were approximately 2,400 units produced. Uh, it was a standalone pole position, two units produced. It was also available as a conversion kit. The major difference it had between pole position and pole position two is pole position two had four tracks to choose from. Uh, you had Fuji, just like pole position, but you also had Seaside, Suzuka, and you had a test track. Fuji, as I was saying, had Mount Fuji in the background. Seaside has a an amusement park, you know, scrolling in the background. And Suzuka, really long track because uh, Suzuka is a track in Japan, yet in the background is San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, you know, I mean, come on, San Francisco is just across the ocean from Japan. I mean, so that's well, plausible. Well, yeah, that is true. That is plplausible. I mean, you have to go around the whole Pacific Rim, like, what, 15,000 miles or so? Yeah, but, I suppose but you, can you know. Do it. Yeah, a lot of bridges. And then the test track is just an oval, just kind of has like a desert. I mean, that's not based on anything. That's just for people who are no good at pole position, <clears throat> like me. The graphics were kind of uh, kind of upgraded. Like uh, when you run into something, uh, your car blows up, but uh, debris falls off your car, and the tires go bouncing off, which I thought was kind of a nice little uh, nice little addition. Yeah, the slightest uh, touch will get you. Um, yeah, will blow car- you up. So, are you driving a Pinto in this game or something? That's also, I think, something else for video game physics. If you just brush a billboard or another car, uh, you blow up. There are also additional billboards for 7-Eleven, Tang, and Dentine. You know, the the big gum conglomerate, which... Brush your breath. Interesting bit of trivia. You can buy Dentine and Tang at 7-Eleven. Ooh. So, yeah. You probably buy them Um, at a grocery store, too. Well, yeah, that's true, but uh, you can't buy 7-Eleven at a grocery store. Ah. Hmm. Now... Actually, I think at Mariano's you can. There you go. Uh, the Test and Suzuka tracks feature a, 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 a spectator bridge. However, in the Japanese, you know, where there's a bridge over the track where spectators are hanging out, uh, the Japanese version uh, actually has a arch. It looks like a tire. It says Dunlop on it. <laughs> they Dunlop off the car. And when you complete a lap, the sign above the cars at the start-finish line says Goal in the Atari version. Uh, and remember, in... Pole position one, the sign said 
Fuji. And Pole Position 2 was only ported to one console. And what console was that? That would be the Acorn Archimedes, Jimmy G. You are wrong. Oh. Uh, it would actually be the Atari 7800. Oh, that Before, thing. And I think that was actually, personally, I think that was a good choice for a pack-in because it wasn't anything that's been seen before. And um, that's just my yeah, video game they critic chosen gives a pole position to a, on the 7800D, which I totally disagree. I enjoy it. I, I agree with the No Swear Gamer that it would have been a much better move to make Ms. Pac-Man the pack-in, but hey. Mm, I don't know about that. Food fight would have been the big, the best. Mm, that would have that would have been a great pack in, but it would have been it would have been a bad dis- business decision. Well, then again, that's true it, because not many people saw the food fight arcade machine. And uh, well, well that, Robotron would have been a good well, thing. Pack is in. like, hold hold on, hold on. This week in Robotron. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know because if they if they packed in food fight, that means nobody would actually go out and buy it. But food fight was that's probably true. the the greatest Atari 7800 game released at the time. So, I mean, easily, hey. hands down. Yeah. So, yeah, it was the pack in for the 7800. And I was playing that a little bit before, uh, before tonight just to, for research and the fact that I actually hadn't played it in a while. I just, it's, that's the thing with pack in games for old consoles. You tend to forget them after a while because you've played it over and over and over because it's the one that came with the console. It was your first game, you know? So I went back and played it some and I had fun with it. And um, I actually emulated the Intellivision uh, pole position uh, tonight before uh, we played. And I just hope the game is a lot better controlling with the Intellivision pad than it is with uh, my Xbox I'm sure control it is. Pad actually, the Intellivision pad might be, really, uh, might be a really good control for it, too. I, I hope so, because otherwise it's really bad. The engine sound effect is just like a long beep. It just it starts low, and then the faster you go, the higher pitch, and it's just a beep. There's no there's no kind of like grumble or roar or anything. It's a long beep that irritated the heck out of me. Again, emulated. Don't know what it is on a real Intellivision because I've never owned a real Intellivision, but it was irritating as hell. Uh, I so, can imagine. And how about Pulpazitin on the twenty six hundred? What about Pulpazitin? That was a good conversion of it. Yeah, the twenty six hundred version of Pulpazitin was fit. really good. And then it's just of unfortunate course, for that fit. one release. They weren't able to fit all the letters in the label, which is kind of weird because they fit in Raiders of the Lost Ark on there and that has a lot more letters than pole position. So, yeah, for people that don't know what we're talking about, uh, a, one release of pole position on the Atari 2600, uh, they left out the second O for some reason. And they replaced it with an apostrophe, didn't they? No, it's it's they don't even position is spelled P-O-S-I-T-N. So oh, pol- they left out the O and the I. Yeah, so it's Pulpositin. Pulpositin. And I'm sure Sean will have a uh, a link to a picture of that because you have one. I, I have one, yes. There, and do, if you're looking on eBay for these things, don't buy that crap about how they're rare. They're not rare. They're, they're, they're rare-er, they, but they're not rare. They're not even rare-er necessarily, and they shouldn't really? be any higher I've never seen one in the wild. Ones, but hey. But with that having been said, where was the first time you've ever played pole position? You know, I'm, I'm, I don't really know a hundred percent sure, but I'm, you know, I don't think they ever had it at the Kroger near where I lived when I was a lad. When pole position, pardon me, pole I position, not pole position. When pole position was out, and, but I know I played it, so it must have been 
at the Bally's Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall. It had to have been. I played it many times, and I always liked it. It was a fun game. Now, I can't remember the first place I played it. It was either the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall, or it was at the Aladdin's Castle at the campus of Northern Illinois University. And the reason I say that is because I remember being on a class trip to Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois, which I will be going to in a few weeks, which is actually something I want to talk about in a little bit, for, uh, it was a uh, like a regional choir contest. And uh, me and my friend Daryl... Uh, and your other friend Daryl? And Larry. And um, Daryl Dixon were hanging out there, and he's like, Jim, I found a game that's better than pole position. And I'm like, really? And I went over there. He's like, yeah, here it is. And I looked at it, and I'm like, um, Daryl, that is pole position. And he's like, oh. So I don't remember if that was the first place or if it was the Louis Joliet Mall was the first place I played it. I want to think it was the Louis, actually. And I know the Louis was the first place I paid, played pole position, too. I remember you could pull, you found pole position. Uh, you only found, the obviously, the, uh, the sit-down units at, uh, at the arcades. But uh, I had actually seen, the, you know, the regular cabinets at uh, many different places. I remember for the longest time, there was a closed down Lindy Gertie's Chili in Ottawa, Illinois, that actually had a pole position machine that obviously saw better days in there. And I kept thinking, oh, if I could come by there and just had the money to buy that from the owner, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And um, more recently, uh, I did. Uh, I have been playing it in the last several days, uh, emulated on my PC, and I was able to get it to work with my uh, ColecoVision Super Action Controller via the Vision Adapter. And um, if you set it up properly, for uh, in May, make sure that you have mouse support enabled and uh, you set the steering to the mouse uh, X-axis. Uh, if you remember, the Super Action Controller uh, has a regular joystick on it and the keypad and four fire buttons. However, it's also got a little uh, spinner dial. It's mounted vertically and... Um, you can spin it with your finger, and if you do it properly, it makes an okay uh, replacement for a steering wheel. It's obviously not perfect, but uh, it's probably your cheapest option short of buying a whole cabinet or, you know, control panel or whatever. So it's worth a shot to do. So, so. all that having been said, what do you have to say about pole position? Well, um, should we rate pole position or should we hold off for now? Ah, let's rate pole position. Okay. Sure. But, uh, yeah. What's your opinion on it? Well, my opinion on pole position, it's a, it is a fun game. The only thing is, like, when pole position was out in the arcades, I, like, with pretty much any arcade game, I sucked at it, which is what I always attributed my low score to. But in recent years, I've played it, and I made it to the qualifying, I made it to the race. I never made it to the race when I was a kid. And I realized this game has, is only, it's limited. It, it It's only a couple of laps, and you're done. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't like it. It just doesn't give you enough play time. I want to give it higher than three continues, but I can't because of that. And I might be tainted because, you know, I really love the OutRun games, OutRun and Turbo OutRun, because uh, those games will let you play for a while if you perform well enough. Uh, and and Mario Kart 64 that I played today, it's like, man, this is a fun game. I mean, it gives you more laps to do when it comes to an end. But, of course, it's a console game, so I shouldn't count that. But, hey, that's what I wanted to say about that. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I really like pole position. Uh, at the time, there haven't been a whole lot of racing games. I mean, you had Rally X, which was top down. 
Uh, then you had another game we got to talk about, uh, Turbo, which was a racing game. And then obviously you had like um, uh, Night Driver. But um, Pole Position was the first realistic racing game. I mean, as realistic as the hardware at the time could handle. Uh, the graphics were really good. Uh, I thought they were... There was more de- They weren't better in Pole Position 2, but they were... Uh, but they had more detail, uh, you know, some more little details to it, I thought. Um, and yeah, I was all, always wondered what the deal was. Why could well, 90 seconds of playtime? I mean, what? And then then eventually I was able to get to, you know, the actual race. And it just uh, I just thought it was a lot better uh, game at that point. But yeah, I can see what you're saying about the limited playtime. You would think that there would be more. Uh, more playtime, but uh, it was a one-token game, so I didn't complain too much. If it was a two-token game, then yeah, I'd have more of a problem with it. But generally, one token. Um, was this was, was the yeah, the sit-down one token? I think it might have been. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I played the sit-down. Uh, it was only one. I wouldn't waste a, multiple yeah, tokens on a game like you know, that. I got to give it four uh, four continues uh, for just being. First of all, it was groundbreaking. It was. It was the, it was groundbreaking, as I said, is the most realistic race, the ver- the first realistic racing game, and um, you got to give it uh, you got to give it the props. And uh, yeah, Atari got the better end of the deal in the uh, mappy pole position uh, choice back then, huh. which we covered in the mappy episode. Of course, so I think we covered it a couple of other times too. So yeah, I got to give it a four. Okay, well, you mentioned Turbo, and there's mm-hmm. something that I have to read here. And okay. this goes back to the old favorite joystick issue, joystick uh, yes. September 1983 issue. And it is a letter from a reader. And they titled it Difference of Opinion. And the reader says, <coughs> actually, he didn't say, <coughs> I put that in there just so I can clear my throat. And now uh-huh. that I said that, I have to clear my throat again. <coughs> Anywho. Um, let's see. The reader says, recently I read the April issue of Joystick and noticed a couple of articles about Atari's new racing game, Pole Position. If I had a sense of humor, I would laugh hysterically. Unfortunately, I do not. And am infuriated that you would say Pole Position is the best racing game around. I played it and for 25 cents, I got 50 seconds of play. I only passed stupid signs saying Dig Dug, Centipede, and Atari. And once I passed a racing car. Despite my poor start, I can safely say that Sega's Turbo makes Atari's pole position look like Atari's Pong. Wow. The only thing that pole position had better than Turbo is the perspective on other cars when you pass them, the size and detail of the racers, and the explosion of your racer. That's it! He puts two exclamation points in there, so I had to kind of yell that. Uh, anyway, it goes on. Turbo has a nicely detailed city hills, a countryside, tunnels, icy roads, an oncoming ambulance, and day turning to night and then back to day scenes, as well as nifty turns as in pole position. I find it hard to believe that you actually tested both turbo and pole position and found pole position to be the superior game. Maybe you got the names (laughs) mixed up. That would not be as big a mistake as actually believing pole position is better than turbo. Well... James Mussarino, Richmond Hills, New York. And that's in Queens, by the way. Well. And uh, Joystick responds, No, we didn't get the names mixed up. The features that you point out in your comparison of Turbo and Pole Position are all part of the game's background graphics or effects. 
and we don't feel that those are the most important considerations in rating a game. Gameplay is more important criteria, particularly in a driving game where the strategy is not a significant factor, and pole position offers the best gameplay of any driving game yet. Calling Turbo a better game simply because it has more color and variety in the background is a little like saying Beach Blanket Bingo is a better movie than Casablanca because it is more colorful. We do agree, however, with your comparison between Pole Position and Pong. In its day, Pong was also the best game of its kind. <laughs> and I, I, do, I should note that the, uh, the types of racing in both games are different. Pole Position is, is like professional racing on a track, whereas Turbo is more of a uh, cross-country type race. Yeah. So there's some difference there. I mean, I do remember so, back then that there was this big pole position, this big like, oh, pole position is the turbo killer. Ooh. And how we were all kind of brainwashed into thinking that it absolutely was better than turbo. It might be. I don't know. And of yeah, course, it's, uh, it's, James, James Mussarino, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, you were wrong. You did not get 50 seconds of play there. You get, you must've gotten more than that. So blah. Oh, thinking of which, did we do, uh, did we do scores? Not yet. Ah. You, do you want to? Yes, let's do scores. Oh, okay, let's do scores. Let's do. Yes. Um, uh, you Usually know, we, we did, do that or, before uh, we rate. Yeah, we did. Or well, we like to do things differently. Notice how first time around, we, first time around, we talked about Orcade.com first. Well, this time I'm going to talk about Twin Galaxies first. Ooh. The tricky Twin Galaxies uses factory default settings, which is 120 seconds. James Mussarino of Queens, New York, Richmond Hills. 120 seconds, four laps, practice difficulty C, extended lap difficulty G. The record holder for that is less, uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Legier, 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 whatever, but verified July 1st, 1984, with a score of 67,310. And Orcade.com lists two different tracks, one with the factory default, which shows that a guy named uh, Richie Knuckles has the oh. record set November 19th, 2008 at Richie Knuckles Arcade with a score of 66,510. And there's another track for which, yeah, I know, track racing. Yeah, I get it too. <laughs> but uh, the other version of pole position that they have listed at arcade.com is for settings of 90 seconds, three laps, practice difficulty C, extended lap difficulty B. Jason Slavic performed January 20th, 2013 at Underground Retrocade. That would Ooh. have been when Underground Retrocade was still in East Dundee, by the way. And uh, that score was 47,850. And as for me, my highest record score is... Um, 18,950 performed at Galloping Ghost, June 28th, 2015, and verified by Pete Hun. So there we go. Mm -hmm. And speaking of and Galloping there. Ghost, the reason that I went to Galloping Ghost was because I couldn't really emulate these games properly. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to go with the ghost. So I looked, I must have done like three run-throughs in the entire arcade looking for pole position. I checked on Orcade.com to make sure it wasn't under repair or something. It was listed as fine and everything. Couldn't find it. So I went up to the counter. I don't know who I don't know who was working there. It's somebody I didn't recognize. And I said, hey, where's pole position? And he said, oh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's in the other building. It's uh, being used in the uh, 
Battle of the Arcades right now. I said, does that mean I can't play Zen? No, not unless you're in Battle of the Arcades. I was like, oh, crap, really? <laughs> now, hey, does the ghost have pole position, uh, pole position two or both? I think they just have pole position. Okay. Because if you have pole position two, you don't really need pole position. Well, yeah, but uh, well, at least there was, I did not see pole position two in hmm. the arcade when I made my go rounds, but yeah, it looks like the closest pole position two to at least here in the greater metropolitan Chicago area is in Mishawaka, Indiana at mega play Mishawaka. That's right by South Bend. If I'm not mistaken, I think, I think you're not mistaken at all, actually. Oh man, they had it at uh, flashbacks at Carousel Arcade in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, which no longer oh, exists. And all I can well, see, that's that's the place that uh, where they did not take care of those machines at all. And then Hurricane mm. Sandy wiped part of it out, oh. and then they had a big fire the next year that wiped the rest of it out. That was the best yeah. thing they could have possibly have done for those machines. They were not taking. Oh, hey Ferg, if you're listening, go to Crabtown, USA, and play pole position too. One thing that's been coming up across my uh, Facebook feed a lot lately are pictures of old arcade games in uh, like found in warehouses or basements or something and just they're in like broken down condition. And my heart just sinks. It it just, you know, that's, I don't know. The saddest thing was like this one Robotron machine I saw in the one image and it just broke my heart. Yeah, Tim McVeigh posted a picture of a uh, Zaxxon machine that someone had thrown out by the curb, and he was very strongly considering like swiping it and restoring it. I don't know if he ever did, though. But And I think with that, should we uh, talk about the, uh, the theme for tonight's episode? Oh, yeah, please do tell. What is the theme for tonight's episode? Of course, you're the host. Do you want to say it? Or no, I'd I? rather yeah, have you say it. It was my it. idea for a theme, actually. Most of them really pretty much are, though, aren't they? That's kind of sad, really. But, all right, um, yeah, the theme for tonight's episode are games that have sequels that really didn't change the original gameplay too much. Really, the only thing with Pole Position 2 is it added four more tracks. It spruced up the graphics. Gauntlet basically allowed you to... Gauntlet 2 allowed you to uh, select every character from each uh, from each joystick and added a couple of other touches, but for the most part, the games really didn't change that much. Uh, yeah. In both cases, I would suggest you play the sequel before you play the first one. But, uh, you know, you won't go wrong if you, they don't have the sequels in the arcade you happen to be in as well. But if yeah. they have Gauntlet 2, play that over Gauntlet 1. If they have Pole Position 2, play that over Pole Position 1. Yeah, yeah especially if, you, if you're in a place where the Gauntlet 2 is nice and audible so you can really hear that organ music. It sounds really yeah. cool. The emulation yeah, does not do it justice. That is true. So, All right. Well, with that, um, we have some people we want to thank. Oh, do we? Uh, don't we? Yeah, okay. I think so. Oh, don't. Okay, yeah, let me see. Um, Why don't you be the bigger man? Oh, well, I kind of am in some yeah, ways, true. but uh, unfortunately. And I am in others. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely taller than me, so. But um, anyway, Pie Factory Podcast extends a massive thank you to Kyle Etter, Nate Lockhart, Michael D'Angelo, Rory Coleman, Underground Retrocade, Richard Valdez, Keith Sheehan, Jonas Rulo, and Gregory Polander. We also send a thanks to Steve Tui and Tuiville for being so good to us over the past two years. So thank yes. you, everybody. And, um, and uh, if, you... if I might uh, actually add um, some thank yous as well. Um, was it June 10th and 11th? 
Uh, I'm going to be riding in the oh, yeah. Bike MS uh, Tour de Farms in DeKalb, Illinois, a home of Star World Arcade. And I'm going to try to make it out there this time. And, uh, you know, I had to raise a minimum of $300 uh, to ride in this thing. It's a, it's a fundraising ride for uh, research for multiple sclerosis. And uh, I just want to thank, uh, thank the donors, uh, a few of which listen to the show. I uh, want to thank, uh, well, some people that I went to school with, uh, Rich Blagan, uh, Sherry Markwell, Maria Wells, uh, Sally Ritchie, who actually is related to me. Then uh, some douche named Courtney. I don't know. His first name is Scene. Hmm. I don't know. And then uh, I'd like to thank uh, Underground Retrocade uh, donated. And thank you uh, for to uh, to Scott and all of the uh, all of the people that uh, choose to spend their money at the Underground Retrocade for helping me out. And uh, Bobby Moore, uh, Bobby ah. I. Dodd Moore uh, from over in the UK uh, helped me out as well. Um, <laughs> he just I guess he uh, saw the pictures I posted from last year. and He's like, dude. You earned every mile. The pictures made it look like you earned every mile of the ride. And um, now, so, is that and a he, race he or is it just you just ride for? No, no you just ride. Oh, okay. I mean, and it's not one of those donate per mile things either. You just have to have a certain number of donations, and you can ride. And it's uh, and it's a great time. Um, if anybody's in uh, in the Chicago area or really anywhere in northern Illinois, it's pretty much almost just as far from the Quad Cities area or Milwaukee even. And uh, I. Do you want to have a good time? Uh, uh, try to ride in this thing or volunteer. Uh, I've one year I couldn't ride, so I volunteered for the two days, and I had a blast volunteering as well. Uh, it's a good cause, and um, they've made some really good strides in the uh, in research for this. And uh, just throwing it out there, I would like to raise another two hundred dollars, if at all possible, before the uh, the day of the ride. If I don't, I can still ride. I've met the minimum. And uh, but uh, yeah, if you'd like to uh, the link the url do you donate at i don't touch any money and you should be glad because you don't want me touching money it's uh the url to my donation page is main m-a-i-n dot national m-s society dot org slash go to slash jimmy g so and we'll put a link to that in the show notes too yes and we will put a link to that and i just wanted to you know extend my thanks to all of our friends out there so this is a good cause and and, um, you know, thank you. So, and I think with that, we should probably, we should probably just announce the, uh, games for the next episode and then, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot. I forgot what games. Oh, uh, yes. We are going want- to talk about bubbles. Yay. And we are going to talk about make tracks. Yay. Or crush roller. Whatever could that theme be? Ooh. Uh, Tune into the next episode of Pie Factory Podcast, episode 54, to find out. This is the St. Mary's Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois. Coming to you live from Chicago. Jimmy G from uh, Morris, Illinois. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Bye. Appomattox. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast.
now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. They're moving real fast, they're the only ones who Let's can get go, there on time. Okay, sis. And never too far behind, they're always fighting crime. Stop time, Dad. Ready when you are, Rhodey. In the danger zone. Pretty soon they'll be off on a mission. Hydrofoil mode, Rhodey. Hydrofoil engaged, Dad. Pole position. What's behind? 